Sometimes you need a little something Need a little something more Nothing you can buy at your five and dime Or your local convenience store Cause you got an itching for it You got an itching for it Itching for something, boy, you can't scratch Might be a little bit of moonshine Might be railroad gin Might be a little bit of china white From a boat that just come in You got an itching for it Itching for it into for something, boy, you can't scratch. Yeah. <laughs> Sometime you do a little evil, call your back door no friend. Every time a husband's sliding out, you go slipping in. You got an itching for it, itching for it. Into for something, boy, you can't scratch. Might be a little bit of candy, might be a piece of cake. Your nose is open, your mouth is dry. Only so much you can take. You got an itch, you know. Itch, something like that. I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, know, when you when you write your own blues, you can only write about your own blues. And, and, and you got an itch, huh? Well, you know, I used to. <laughs> you don't itch anymore, Jimmy? Well, well, well I, I do, but I, but I, I be careful where I scratch these days. But uh, <laughs> oh, that's know, uh, that's so you know, wise. No, uh, you know, I mean, we all, uh, you know, we all misbehaved for a long time. When we, you and I were talking about starting when we were thirteen years old. Okay, wait. Sneaking before, out. before we get into the story, we got to introduce the show. Oh, uh, who are you? But I'm Jimmy Vivino, and I'm just a journeyman musician out here. Uh, uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll let you get uh, away I have, with that. Uh, I have, uh, you know, um, been this around. is Game Changers, by the I've way. I've been a, Game Changers. Yes. Yeah. And I've been around a long time. Uh, All right, wait. Before yeah. you tell your story, I got, I got, I got, I got, I got to do the oh, thing. Oh well, I'm used to commercials. I, well, it's not really about commercial. Half of my, yeah. It's not really commercial. This is this is supporting people who who support me, who who support us, and oh, okay. who make it possible for us to do. Edutainment. That's my e new edutainment. Edutainment, my new favorite word. Thank you, Mel. Like start it. off. I'm it's like fucking it. cool. Thanks, Mel. Mel, and it's great. Okay, so I want to give a shout out to my friend Eileen Angel, who wrote this book, How to Calm Wait, How to Calm the Hell Down and Be Happy. And um, in times like this, it's much needed. And I want to say that I have a blurb on the back of her book. That I, I, I'm, I'm like very honored and touched. But anyway, how to calm the hell down and be happy. And it's funny. It's funny, but she also gives really good tips, which I, I really love. And a and recovering I, and I want, warrior. A, a recovering, oh, I didn't even say it. Yeah, it's She's funny. a recovering warrior. She's a, but she's recovering. Yes. Because she hasn't recovered. I saw her yesterday. And nobody does. Nobody by does. The way. And just like it's as, an, as it's a, a constant. As an addict. I will be an addict yeah. till the day I die, yeah. even though I've been in recovery for a gazillion years. It's like recovering from loving music. You don't. Who would want to it do doesn't, that? Well, Who would well, want to do that? You know, you never know what people think is bad for you. You know, way back in the old oh. days. Well, <laughs> too much of that rock and roll. Yeah, well, yeah, we're going to talk about we, the rock. They were wrong. They were just wrong. Because, you know, we might have even been at the Fillmore at the same time. We probably it, it, were. We probably have. Okay, so I just want to say uh, to one of my favorite people on the planet, Rick Smolke, who, by the way, if you ever need anything printed, anything, if you need liner notes for a CD, if you need business cards, if you, if you need posters for the Fab Faux, whatever you need, Rick Smolke, uh, Quick Impressions in Chicago, he does beautiful work, did my tissue boxes, he does beautiful uh -huh. work, and he's also got the heart of gold. He's never charged a musician a dime to do work for him. He's just, he's that guy, he's that guy. 
and um, he does this whole philanthropic thing for the veterans. If you haven't seen the PSA that we did for Veterans Day, we just did another one with Jimmy now that's gonna come out. He's the best, salt of the earth. Quick impressions in Chicago. And my hairdresser, <laughs> who I need to see so badly. I was hoping you were gonna bring right? that up. Right, right? Because I've been reading, sitting here reading <laughs> that. So her hairspray, Ruby Begonia Salon, Hair Crush Love, fuck off. That's why she's my hairdresser, because I love her. That says for hard cut off. It will. <laughs> Don't tell me well, that says for hard cut off. Yeah, but when I when I say it, it says fuck off. And I'm going on Saturday, and I can't wait. Nicole Venables of the Ruby Begonia Salon. She's the best. She does she does the hair on Will and Grace and on uh, Matt LeBlanc's show. She's she's the best. Okay, so so now let's talk about Jimmy Vivino. So do we have to? Yes, we do. Okay, well. Yes, we do. We do. I, all right, let's see how we're looking over here. Okay, here I am. Like, I'm just like now. I know. What, are, are, are you, you like, you're like where's hiding? Where's my guitar? Well, she's going to expose me. No, no. I, no. no I, I, um, we're both, uh, well, I'm, not, I'm from New Jersey. Right? We're both 55, though. Yeah, that's but, right. But or, 50, or 55s. We're 55s. 55s, yeah. Okay, so we that we, we're not fifty five years old. We we were born that year. So, so okay, so you in New but New Jersey, Jimmy, come on. Well, you know, I come from a family in, in uh, that uh, I was born in Patterson, New Jersey. You know. Uh, okay, so so and, uh, I'm from back east, but uh, Patterson. Well, Patterson is where Lou Costello is from. You know, so oh, it was like right. huge. It's it, it was How Silk City. Well, it's oh, not far at all. It was the Silk City. It had the Great Falls there, and mm -hmm. it also um, is where the first Colt 45 factory was. Now that's and important. they made parachutes there during the war for you know because all the silk industry was there. Wow. And uh, right next to Passaic, where uh, other famous people like Donald Fagan was from Passaic, and all. And them. you played with Donald. You know, yeah. 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 But when then we talk, and we have the same birthday. January 10th. Stop. Yeah. But not the same year. He's not the not same year. No, he's a couple years older than right. me. Not many. Did you uh, musically, know? he's 5,000 years older than all of us. Well, did, uh, did you know him from Jersey? I didn't know him. I didn't know him from Jersey. That was revealed to me much later uh, ah. that he was from Passaic, okay. uh, New Jersey. And <laughs> did you grow up with... And Walter was from Queens. So, yeah. Did you... Oh, yeah? yeah. I, where, okay. Not uh, Forest They just have a... In fact, they just named a Walter uh, Becker Boulevard there. He just I, got I a street. High Walter would have hated that probably, but they did anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I was from Jersey. Uh, my brothers and I, um, uh, we were... Okay, wait, all musical? Because Uncle Floyd, your brother who was... Well, Floyd, yeah, and, Floyd and my brother Jerry, who's uh, been playing with me forever, a saxophone player, you know, uh, is the best musician Jerry. of all of us. Is that uh, so? My father came over uh, in... Uh, he was born in 1927. So he came over in 1932 or 33. Yeah, from they're from Calabria. Okay. And my mother's people are from uh, uh, Salerno, uh, outside of Naples. Okay. Uh, and he came over on a boat, just like in The Godfather, you know, on and like in, in like, like in Titanic, they were on the no, they were on the bottom of the boat, you know. You, you no, they were, were carpenters. So uh, my my grandfather came over first. Okay. And worked in the coal mines and uh, in Pennsylvania, and also, uh, you know, as a carpenter and sent oh. money back home and finally brought the whole family over. So That's my early. father yeah. and his brother and mm -hmm. sister and my grandma came over. In somewhere, I, I'm imagining somewhere around 1932 mm -hmm. or 33, around the time my mother was born, they were coming over. And, um, you know, they were carpenters uh, when they came over here. And 
my father though was an incredible trumpet player. I mean, he was oh. like the best musician I ever heard in my life, and he wasn't wow. allowed to do that. It was not allowed. It was like uh, you got I'm a family. You, look at their you have a family. You. you have a family of yeah. carpenters coming yeah. over, and uh -huh. uh, not only my grandfather but his brothers so Talk to Christina. my grandfather his brothers yeah. and uh, you know there was probably seven or eight of them at a construction uh, business together right and my father having three sons it's like none of you guys want to be <laughs> he didn't want us to be he wasn't allowed to be he was such uh, a great trumpet player and it, it killed him he he would come home and you know sit there on the couch and Play along with Louis Armstrong and Charlie Shavers did and Harry ever, James. Did he ever do clubs? Oh well, he played. He played. Uh, my 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 father's uncle mm -hmm. Frank Viv mm -hmm. Frank Vivino owned the Plaza Ballroom in Patterson, wow. and he had a big band. And my mm -hmm. father played in that band. That was a part time thing, though. He wasn't allowed to, you know. Right. And my uncle played bass, and that the whole family was in, at the Plaza Ballroom mm -hmm. playing in this big band, a mm -hmm. dance band, mm -hmm. you know, for Saturday nights. Mm -hmm. But music wasn't a serious thing. It wasn't, you know, what do you, what, it was like, if I said I wanted to be a musician, then everyone would say, well, yeah, but what do you really want to do? Eddie? What are you going to do? It's <laughs> almost like that do? scene in, the, in, in Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate, where everybody's got advice. Plastics, go into this, go into be a lawyer, be a doctor, do anything, don't be a musician. My father, though, he... And he raised three of them. But he worked his ass off to get us money to get us lessons, and... And I would have to play my lesson. I was a okay, trumpet so, player. So, uh, I'd have I to play say, it for him. All right, so when did you start? Uh, probably, I, I think probably uh, when I was seven or eight. And where are you in the pecking order of your brothers? I'm the baby. You're yeah, the baby. Yeah. So, so, and is Floyd the oldest? Yeah. So was he already playing music? He was you? playing piano. Uh, well, he was playing piano. Playing, yeah. We had a piano in the house. Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and there was a trumpet laying around, so I picked that up. Okay. My other brother studied with my... My father's cousin Frank, saxophone player. So okay. my brother uh, studied clarinet with him. He had a flutophone first. It was a little plastic thing. Oh wow! And he used to play it in the bathtub. <laughs> and we and he would play like the Gunsmoke theme. <laughs> he would play like Bonanza. He would play all the cool. TV shows. He and had this great ear. I was going to say, were you all playing? But did you all play by ear? Yeah. Well, no. We learned to read music. You know, we learned to read. So my mom, my grand. My grandmother, my father's mother's mm -hmm. brother, Frank Perosi, mm -hmm. was a professor that right. taught mandolin, accordion, guitar. And, and, so uh, the whole family's musical. Well, you know, the, the, there's, the, there's the carpenters versus the musicians, you know. <laughs> so uh, the musicians... Did they have a softball team? Well, no, no, no. And, and you know, everybody thought that, that, uh, that Frank, you know... The, uh, the carpenters would beat the musicians' ass. Yeah, Uncle Nick, Uncle Nick Perosi. Yeah. Well, they thought he was crazy anyway. He, yeah, I remember... I remember Perosi's, uh, you know, school of music, in, in uh, you know, in Patterson, and, and uh, he would cool. teach mandolin and all and all these accordion, and so music was always around. Mm -hmm. um, was music I, I was playing being trumpet. Played in that, like, what music were you? What music was my father in your house? was playing? Uh, was playing mostly uh, Louis Armstrong, mm -hmm. uh, Judy Garland, mm -hmm. Frank Sinatra. Uh, you know, he loved uh, Jonah Jones, another trumpet player, Al Hurt, mm -hmm. uh, mostly trumpet players. And did uh, you got, did you kids? And Italian kids singers, you know. Did you, did you kids, Louis Prima and stuff like that? We didn't hear Louis Prima, but, but we did because my aunt, my mother's kid sister, mm -hmm. my mother had a kid sister, you don't hear that much anymore. <laughs> and, and, no, the kid, her kids, my aunt Connie was like 16 yeah. when my mother was probably 10 years older than her, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, 
Aunt Connie lived with us, and she had all those Frankie Valli and Dion records, you know? Ooh. So we heard all those Italian singers. Um, and Dion, you know, now I work with Dion now. I mean, we're good friends now. And, and my brother Jerry worked with Frankie for years. But that That's was about, crazy. it was about that, you know, there was very like, oh, Italian singers. You know? So when the Beatles came, it was a shock that, you know, that I loved the Beatles when I was nine years old and they came on Ed Sullivan and I'm watching them and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm like thinking twice about the trumpet. I'm like, the trumpet, really? I don't see a trumpet. I see Herb Albert with a trumpet. You know, oh, 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 so that's when things started to shift. They started to shift for me because, yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and we were I had a dance team, too, at 64. My bro Well, I had this habit, you know, you kids have that habit where you're, you're going to table, the whole table's shaking. And my father would go, Jesus, you know, throw the fork up in the air and say, what, you know, what's wrong with you? I said, that's it, that's it. You're, and everybody knows me, I say that's it all the time. Like, that's it. You're taking dance lessons. We're taking your, uh, your, your cousin, Frank Perry. Who is it? You, wow, you, yeah. your family just you say, had yeah. the whole thing covered. Now Frank Perry was friends with Frank Perry was friends with Fred Kelly, who was Gene Kelly's brother. Wow! So we were going to go and take dance lessons. Was they, they weren't they were Irish? Yeah. So we yeah. went to we went to Sandra Lee, uh, Sandra Lee, because she had uh, she had Lee Meredith, who plays Ola in uh, in, uh, in the, producers. the producers, right? She, Lee Meredith was it was dancing had just left the studio. Wow. So that was in Patterson. Oh, Sandra Lee. You gotta go to Sandra Lee's studio. So, so what we did, so did what, what we did, we did uh, tap dancing and we did uh, modern jazz, I you know, stuff like that, do, like that West Side Story. Do kind of, I don't, haven't done it for years, but, but we danced at the World's Fair. So in 1964, Sandra Lee, as promised, got us, you know, this great gig, dancing at the World's Fair. Stop at the it. New Jersey Pavilion. And I find Jersey out years Pavilion? later, and this is such, such convoluted shit, but I found out later that Al Cooper said to me, you know, when you guys, 64, you were dancing, the Queens Pavilion was right next to the Jersey Pavilion. And me and Harvey Brooks were on top of the carousel every day at noon. This is like a year before the Dylan thing broke, you know, before oh Al and... And uh, he had already been in the Royal Teens, short shorts and all that, and been writing songs. But he said, yeah, me and Harvey had this gig where we played on top of the carousel every day at noon. So we actually, he said, you know, we actually were gigging together at the same time That's in 1964. Crazy. So you danced at yeah. the World yeah. Fair. And then it got to where, the point where my brother Floyd would be like, we'd be after school, and I'm like, I'm like 10. Was it 11. like the three of you? Yeah, the three of us. Well, because in those days, okay, you guys and my father and, and, and all the people in the family were like, you want to be in showbiz? Well, you got to do what the Osmonds do. Because they were like on the Andy Williams summer replacement show. They right. were kids. Right. Ted Mack Amateur Hour. Mm -hmm. You know, Tony Grant's Cavalcade of Stars in uh -huh. Atlantic City. We went down there and did that. Watch the horse. The horse did jumping. You do, did you do Ted we did No, we did Tony oh, Grant okay. down okay. in Atlantic City. Uh -huh. We never got to Ted Mack. But that was the thing. The Ames Brothers. They all, they all dance. They all sing. They all play instruments. They all, you have to do everything. So we were like showbiz. So in know. other words, your father was kind of encouraging you all. Well, to... always. Be, not pushing, but encouraging. Yeah. Because if your lesson wasn't ready, you didn't get to do it. So, okay, so what about academics? Was he strict about well, we that are, well, stuff? Well, you know, we were we were good students. You know, we, we just were. But rock and roll changed all that. Uh, <laughs> it made you. I'm not dancing anymore. I'm not playing the trumpet anymore. Even though I played trumpet all the way through high school, Did I started to, to to fall off and thinking. And and I did learn from playing the trumpet. Uh, you know. Um, 
how to read music and also mm -hmm. when I was I guess around uh, 16 or 17 I I wrote a piece for orchestra and a piece cut some stuff for big I started arranging for big band because I bought to, some books yeah and so that led to what became your yeah and I and I I got some books I said well this is cool I'll get this Walter Pistone's book uh, you know practical range of instruments some of the teachers at school gave me some books to, to study, and I and I did, and I started transcribing. You know, so you were doing that in high school? I was doing it in high school, wow. and I had an independent study. We used to have these grants mm -hmm. when the Democrats were in power. <laughs> we had these government grants. There were arts in the schools when the Democrats yes, were in they power. Yes, that's right, arts in the school. And, we, and we, I was on an independent study program wow. that was funded by the government so oh. I, I could uh, work on my orchestra piece and I could also... Uh, so wait, what, what first kicked that in for you? Did did, arranging? You, did your brothers do that as well? Uh, no, I was just just what? hooked on arranging. What, I, I would look at a record. Do you remember what story yeah. that? Yeah, well, well, I would look at a record. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I always had this conversation with Paul Schaefer put your, put your about how we, we both, the records are you know, the records are our textbooks and our history. So right. I would look at the record, at, listen to it. Right. And as I'm listening to it, you know, another record, I'd look at the one I just, and I'd read it. Okay. And re, or read the album cover. Find oh. out who, where did they record it. You joints who, on it? You were actually well, reading no, it? Well, no, that's only good when you when you have an album that opens, a double yeah. album. They separate <laughs> seeds. Or they didn't, always, they didn't always have to have a double seeds album. They, they still open sometimes, even yeah. if they weren't or a double. Or you can just rip it open. <laughs> So I would look and see, oh, who who was that? You know, who Quincy Jones or uh, mm. you know uh, Ralph Shuckett, uh, You know who you know who did the Johnny Pate up in Chicago? You know, uh, um, uh, uh, what, uh, Bartholomew, Dave Bartholomew well, in New Orleans. Well, who the arrangers were? What what what, what do you think attracted you to what what about that was interesting? To because you? my love of big band music, mm. you know. And I had this Jerry Gray, uh, uh, Jerry Gray plays the Glenn Miller Orchestra mm -hmm. uh, that I listened to over and over, you know, on a couple of Al Jolson records and mm -hmm. some like weird stuff. My brother Floyd had shit going on in the basement. You don't want to, he would. <laughs> Floyd played for Floyd me at the would, Rock and Roll Cafe. On now Floyd, Street. Floyd would go out. Yeah. When, you know, I'm out how practicing. Much, how much older is he? He's uh, 51. Okay, 1951. four years. Okay. Yeah, mm -hmm. four years old. So he would go out mm -hmm. and clean out houses in Ridgewood, New Jersey. He would go to some lady's house, old ladies up in the mansions, <laughs> said, you want your attic cleaned out? Sure. Uh, no charge. <laughs> he'd take out, he'd be rolling, he'd be walking out with oh. records. You, you, you want to throw these away? Sure, throw them away. And they would say, take that machine out of the corner too, the wind-up machines. He started collecting oh this stuff. God. He had 5,000 records in the basement. He Jesus. had Sun 48, 78s. He had uh, Bluebird. He had Sonny Boy Williamson and on, on, on Bluebird. He had Robert Johnson. He had all these wow. great, he had all this great music. And I heard it coming up through the basement constantly. So then I heard a lot of that arranging in jazz. And, and then I started um, a band with my brother when I, I guess I was... Uh, I, I, we always had a piano in the house, so I, in defiance of my trumpet lesson, okay, I, went, so did, did I learned to play the piano. Before guitar for you? Yeah, yeah, guitar yeah. was the last. Okay. So I would uh, sit at the piano, I figured 67, I guess. Oh, I like that crystal ship by the doors, I figured that out, light my fire, 
Uh, I figured out a lot of somewhere in the city. So did you, know? you all, did you all, you all had the ear? Well, I, my brother's Jerry's is better than any of ours. Wow. You know, wow. uh, he's he's just better. He's yeah. just the best musician. Wow. Uh, you know, as far as his, his and he's a saxophone ex, player. Yeah, as far as, as his, yeah. his facility does on he, his instrument. Does he play any other instruments? Because you play so many. Does well, he, he play? plays every saxophone and flute and clarinet and oboe and you know every everything with a reed on. Wow. It, you know? Yeah. But um, so I got interested in what's inside of music, the chord structure with the piano. I looked at the piano and said, wow, this is something, because it really, it's just the spacing of the intervals that make the chords. Mm -hmm. And then you just transpose it to different keys. Mm -hmm. There's one place for a note to be. It's not like guitar, where there's, you can play the same note in four different places. It gets confusing. Piano is really just, it's the perfect arranging instrument, too. You can visualize voicings, and you can, you know, oh. so so I started writing from the piano. Okay. And, and uh and started transcribing records. I remember when the Blood, Sweat, and Tears record came out, and that was 67 on 12, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I started a band with my you brother. You made me so very happy. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 before that. Love You More, You'll Ever Know, Al Cooper's oh. band. And so I started transcribing that record, and I had all these three horn charts, you know, with three mm -hmm. or four horns, and, and I said, we gotta have a band now, because I got these songs ready, you know? And so we started like a eight piece band when I was like 13, I guess, me and my brother were doing that. And I, was, I got a Farfisa organ that my Uncle Joe, his son, he didn't want to play it anymore. So my father did a job for my Uncle Joe, who paid him with a Farfisa organ. It's kind of like my mother had sort of the, the Jack and the Beanstalk, fight with my father, you know. <laughs> what are you getting, you know, what are we gonna eat, Farfisa organ now? Is that what we're having for dinner this week? Well, geez, Em, you know, uh, uh, Joe said, uh, you know, Joe Provenzale, Joe Pro, he said I could have the organ if I did the job for him, and then I wanted to give Jimmy the organ, so he gave me the organ. It sounds like your dad was a very uh, cool Just person. really cool, but you know, he was like Ralph Crand, and he got in trouble with my mother because he would do things like that. Is your father you know, still alive? No, no. Did he but, get to, did he live to see you have your Oh success? yeah, oh yeah, we brought him on, we brought him on stage at the bottom line, all three of us, you know, and he played the trumpet with us. And it was just so, he was just, wow. just so great, you know. Uh, he got to see it. So then I have a band, I have a Farfisa organ, you know. I got, I, I got the, all the guys together. Now Frank Pagano was in this band, not Rich. Okay. And my brother Jerry and myself. And I, was, I think I was playing trumpet and organ sometimes. There were three other horns and then I would play. And you're, doing, and you're doing these big bands. And we're playing, no, we're playing, no, we're playing Sly and the Family Stone. Oh. And we're playing Blood, Sweat and Tears. Anything with horns. We got the Electric Flag album. Are you singing? You know, I'm singing. Uh, and the is bass it? player Brian is singing. My, okay. my dear friend Brian is playing bass and singing. Mm -hmm. who, is, who figures really big in my life later on. Uh, okay. We had bands together. We went to the Fillmore together. His brother Ralph took that. us in his Chevy, you know, in his Impala. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we, we smoked and ate Twinkies in the back. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> in that order. And, <laughs> of course. And we went to the Fillmore. And I, I remember... Uh, okay, I guess so we, it was, to, we were talking about yeah. this a little before the show. So the Fillmore East, for those of you who don't know, was the greatest concert venue ever in New York. And people in San Francisco would had, say that they had Right, theirs. they said theirs was better, but I've never... Well, theirs was first. Theirs uh, was first, and, but... And, uh, in New York, it was the best thing ever. Best thing ever. So, so, so uh, that's see? where who I saw everybody who that you, you see could... At the you could everyone, anyone you could almost, as you did, imagine. Uh, the first time I went, 
And we were kids when yeah. the film was open. I we think were it was 13, 68. 14. I was 13. Yeah. And I went to see, I went, and I said, oh, Al Cooper's playing. He had left Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Yeah. He had out the I Stand Alone album out. I got to go see Al Cooper. Oh, and who else? Oh, and, and Procol Harum's on the show, right? And, and the Jerry Hahn Brotherhood, which is, I don't know which is Mike Finnegan on organ. Well, I was talking about Mike Finnegan yesterday. It's Mike Finnegan on organ, Jerry Hahn. I can't remember who the drummer was. It's a trio, and Finnegan. Okay. Finnegan, he, like, played, he played on Mike Finnegan, this is, not only that, he's just a great, great, great organ player and singer. You know, he's, it's just one of those musicians I admired from when I was 13. Wow. And to get to know him now, is like, it's one of those things when people, and I say this all the time because I really believe it, they step out of your record collection into your life. And oh it's my like, God. what, that's. Okay, have you ever been disappointed? In the person, uh, no, not in because the no, yeah, no, because the one that did disappoint me disappointed me in the most royal, regal way that he did everyone else. Let's hear. A guy who who, who a guy who punched Keith Richard. <laughs> okay, if he punched Keith Keith Richard out, it's okay with me. It's Chuck, you know. Oh, okay. It's Chuck, and I love Chuck Berry. And mm -hmm. when I worked with Johnny Johnson, we finally straightened it all out after years of of, of, uh, of Chuck just you know just giving me a hard time. Because I was leading did bands, you, did you I was leading bands at the Garden, you know, these big shows yeah. for, for Richard Nader, these big uh -huh. giant, uh, and Dick Fox, these mm -hmm. big doo-wop shows. Right, right. And rock and roll shows, uh -huh. you know, in the 80s. Right. And, uh, and, and Chuck Berry would be on the shows and he'd just give me a hard fucking title. Well, he gave everybody, everybody and, but, I ever played with him, he gave And then years, time. I'm working with Johnny Johnson, when he came, when Keith brought him back, and uh -huh. me and Mike Merritt and James Warmworth are, are playing with Johnny. Again, I'm playing like five times. Chuck is just giving me a hard time. He, he, he duck, walks over and says, if you keep playing my riff, I'm knocking you out. And I said, well, you know, what's your riff? I'm playing the rhythm. He goes, that's mine. I said, well, how about this? That's mine. <laughs> he said, all right, you won't want me to play. So we, <laughs> we, we get to uh, years later. This, is goes, this goes on and on for years. That in LA, that KLON used to have a blues festival here, mm -hmm. and it was great. Mm -hmm. And like John Lee Hooker's on, Etta James is on. Uh -huh. and I'm on there with Chuck, with uh, Johnny Johnson mm -hmm. and Mike and James. We are the uh, are representing uh, the chess rhythm section, mm -hmm. and we have Jimmy Rogers, who, if you don't know, you should. Jimmy Rogers, Billy Boy Arnold, uh, Hubert Sumlin, Chuck Berry. And, and I can't remember, there were like five different mm -hmm. uh, artists that were all on Chess Records. Mm -hmm. And that day, I was backstage, and I was talking to Joe Lewis Walker, who's a great friend of mine and a great blues guitar player. Mm -hmm. And Johnny pulls Chuck into the trailer, closes, slams the door. And Joe says, what's going on in there? I said, I don't know what's going on. But uh, Chuck came out nice. <laughs> and Johnny said later, oh, you know, Johnny was the sweetest family. Him and Hubert were like family to me. He said, uh, oh, I had a talk with Chuck. Don't, don't mess with my boys. You know, he, I, he goes, Johnny, don't you know he's been doing this for like four years to me? He goes, yeah, but you know, now it's time to end it. I said, thanks. You know, he Did said, yeah. Did he change yeah. it going forward? He, well, he, he went over the top nice, Ooh. you know? Like, hey, come on up here and play with me. I was like, oh, he's patronizing me. It's okay. It's okay. I have a, look, any story that involves you and someone like Chuck Berry, right? Or anyone of that stuff. I mean, there's really, he's one of the three or four people that, to me, changed music. Absolutely. You know, uh, Absolutely. he's responsible for a lot of the poetry that Bob Dylan picked up on. 
A lot of, yeah, sure, the list songs. You know, Johnny's in the basement cooking up the medicine, right? Yeah. That's like too much monkey business. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, no, it is. It's that it's the listing thing mm -hmm. that Dylan got into, mm -hmm. you know. And that, and it also goes back to folk music, mm -hmm. Matt. And, yeah. and Ramblin' Jack mm -hmm. and you know, but Chuck Berry was well aware of all of this Woody Guthrie and and, and Grand Ole Opry and oh, everything. Yeah. But as a songwriter, he was a poet, you know, a street poet, Chuck. And I think that Dylan picked up on that, and then the Beatles picked up on Dylan. Mm -hmm. And the Beatles, those three to me, you know, are all important in changing music. And no, with no disrespect to Brian Wilson or the other geniuses mm -hmm. that we all love, and everybody's got their favorites and right. say, we'll say, what about so and so? Well, to me, for me, those three, pe those three people are the Beatles as one entity. Right. Uh, all four of them, not one of them, all right. four. And Chuck Berry and Bob Dylan. That's responsible for everything that I love. That's really And, and because it comes from the blues mm -hmm. first. You know, Bob comes from the blues. Beatles come from rhythm and blues. Mm -hmm. Chuck Berry comes from Chicago blues mm -hmm. and St. Louis blues. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, saying well, what, that what anyone, who said, anyone who says the blues is, uh, well, you know, blues is the, well, the blues. Is, it's a root. It's like the sun. You don't, you know, if you talk about the other planets, you don't talk, the sun is what keeps us moving. Well, what year did Chuck start writing music? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I guess it's, uh, let's see, he joined up with Johnny probably around 52. Oh, that's you know, really early, yeah, okay. 53, uh -huh. mm -hmm. you know. And it's, and it's and the same time, when this whole thing was bubbling up with Elvis, you know. See, Elvis Presley, as important as he is, is really, a rhythm and blues singer that mm -hmm. had a great uh, band, you know, and that and, and a great sound and a great look. But he didn't write anything that mm -hmm. changed anything. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't mm -hmm. write anything. He just he just moved it from one neighborhood to the next. You know, mm -hmm. very well, very well. very well, and 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 hipped us all to this rhythm and blues that he loved so much. Mm -hmm. And then and some of the gospel and other things that, that Elvis was a, was a, he was important the way Frank Sinatra was important. Mm -hmm. But they're not important as writers. Uh, right. uh, so mm -hmm. they're, they're, they're stars that have incredible power mm -hmm. and can also, uh, you know, it turn people on to a lot of good stuff. And, and music. It impacted yeah. the way music was. Yeah, yeah but when you look at the, the, right, the way that, uh, you know, Chuck Berry was tapped into the teenagers right. white, black, yellow, green, whatever. You know, and Bob Dylan was just like, like how did this happen? Yeah. You know, how did this happen? And then the Beatles change not only our idea of, you know, bands playing and writing their own music, you know, coming on and, and, uh, mm -hmm. and also fashion, religion, politics. In well, a very Dylan short was so much about yeah. that. He was but, but, but Bob Dylan was more like, I don't want to talk about politics. He was like, you know, I, Bob Dylan was like, I'm not here to be political. You know, I mean, he was. But he so was. He every so song. was. Yeah, but not he. He didn't. He didn't. He wasn't up on a stump. Mm -hmm. He wasn't grandstanding it. The no, way not John, at all. John Lennon was grandstanding right, it. Right. You know, Bob Dylan was just writing it. Right. You know, you figure it out. Yeah. You know, you yeah. figure it out for yourself. And and so they're all, you know, there's. It's so important that those writers are the ones who uh, change things.
when I asked, when Jimmy and I were talking about Jimmy uh, is the co-founder of the Fab Faux with with Will Lee, and we were talking about they just did a concert at the Beacon, uh, a George Harrison concert. Oh, yeah. I saw them do the whole White Album. <laughs> George's when music. you did Revolution Nine, I mean, note <laughs> for note, that is the sickest thing ever. Well, we like, have books. We, we had we had we have Will made scripts. Well, Will said Will that on his honeymoon into... he was spending the whole honeymoon figuring out the fuck. Yeah, and then he got Sandrine to make Yoko noises <laughs> into a tape. <laughs> Uh, but it'd be better if you were naked. And I'm like, well, uh, 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 wait, that's your honeymoon, Will, huh? But well, when we were talking about the Beatles before, wait, now I, I forgot what I was going to say about what you said. Well, about it's it's classical music to us, you know. It's our, it's you know, Mozart in his own time was a pop star. You know, we know if you watch the movie Amadeus, you see that this guy was flamboyant. He was right. He was he was defying the system. He was pissing people off. He was writing brilliant music, and he was living the life, you know, just like it's crazy. Will brought up Amadeus yeah. also. Yeah, because you see that that the Beatles were a lot like that. It's classical music in that the same way that Mozart was pop music in his time. Interesting. You know, they they decided to make it, you know, make it sort of like uh, it's almost unapproachable to, to 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 the mainstream. You know, it should be people should tap into Mozart and, and Beethoven a little more. You know. Okay, so we're out of order here, but, but since we're here, I want to ask, how, how did you and Will come, what made you, I mean, I know Beatle fans, of course, influence, what made you guys? Well, Will and I knew each other, uh, you know, I, we, we had met each other through a lot of projects in New York, a lot mm -hmm. of studios, a lot of different things that I had worked with Paul Schaefer and with Will on, and, and, we, and we had a mutual respect for each other and worked together quite a bit. And we lived in the same building <laughs> on 300 Mercer, wow. which was right across from the bottom line, right? Oh, like the side of the bottom. So, and I moved there so I could just like walk over to the bottom line and work because I was working there so much. Wow. Uh, and then it closed. Mm -hmm. well, and then I moved to 52nd Street to live next to SIR, and then that closed. Wow. So I'm thinking of moving to the White House right next to the <laughs> I think I'm going to move to Pennsylvania Avenue. I don't now, like it. And hopefully that will close too. <laughs> That might close too, but so, so seriously though, go, so we're living in the same. We're living in the same building. Yeah. And and I would get home from Conan, and he get home from Letterman, and I I get in the elevator. Hey, so just as That's I'm getting, just as I'm the elevator doors open, yeah. and I'm walking out. Hey, when are we gonna start that Beatle band? <laughs> doors closed. What's he talking about? Why? So I, every night. Beatle band, we're gonna meet him. I said, I don't want to play Beatles music. It's been played. He goes, No, we're gonna play all the music that they never played live. That's gonna be the point of this. We're gonna take it from wow. when they stopped playing, and 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 that was the original intent. Of you just music. gave me goosebumps. Yeah, that That's was really cool. That was the original intent. Will oh. was like, No, we're not gonna be wigs and suits and do accents and corny. Mm -hmm. You know, it's mm -hmm. not like like my grandmother used to have wax fruit. And you want to take a bite of it, and that's what most Beatle bands are—is wax fruit. Yeah. You know, we want to be like real live vegetables and fruits. You want to be so. juicy. <laughs> well, no, we want to. We we don't want to make it make it into a you know Hall of the Presidents at Disney World. That's animatronic Beatles on stage. You know, I mean that's been done and it's still being done. And God bless you who who wants to do that and people that want to see that. That's fine. Mm -hmm. McDonald's is the most popular hamburger, like I told you. Did I tell you this? That the best hamburger you know is probably yes, down yes, the, down yes, the street, yes. right? So some guy at a bar is, right. or somebody, someone's 
making flipping burgers at some Irish pub and you're having the great juicy, but it's not popular. Right. <laughs> so we want to be that hamburger. Uh -huh. We don't want to be a McDonald's hamburger. We want to be that people that do come to see us know that they're going to see some, have a sonic experience, mm -hmm. which Will said we would bring the records to the stage. Um, he said it's going to take five guys at least, which it started at the China well, Club. What, what year did you? <laughs> the China Club. Uh, which five on, guys on the corner? Yeah. Of, on the twenty years. Of my book. Twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. So what year is this? So it was like the end of the nineties. Yeah. 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 It was like ninety eight. Okay. Uh, so we, I go up to Will. He says, "Finally, look." He calls me. I'm downstairs. I'm ready to go to bed. He goes, "I got." Have you guys been playing together? Have you been jamming together? Have you been no doing... Beatles, no. No, but I mean, have you been doing Oh, yeah, we, yeah, well, sure yeah, we played yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. And he said, I got three other guys up here. Come up. Come on. He, I'm on 27. He's like, I'm 32. Okay. Uh, uh, and I said, okay. <laughs> I have my slippers and pajamas on in the bathroom. <laughs> I had hair then, so I didn't have a hat on. <laughs> and I went upstairs, and I see these other guys that I didn't know, Frank. And they were all Italians. Rich Pagano, Frank Agnello, and Jack Petrozelli, and Will Lee. I know Frank Agnello. Yeah. So, or, and Yellow, Frankie the Lamb. Yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> so we go up and we sit down and Will is, is spearheading this sort of conversation about, we're going like, to bring the records to the stage and we're going to do this music that, that they never played. It gives us kind of license to, you know, we're not going to play the old stuff, I want to hold your hand, blah, but since then... We've gone say, backwards. I no. have to say, for the encore, when you guys came out and did that stuff, yeah, yeah. it's pretty fantastic. No, it is fantastic, and I'll get to that later, but okay. we started with the, with Because from Abbey Road. Okay. And we, we had the book, The Beatles Complete, uh, you know, scores, The Beatles scores, and Will throws it in front of me. He goes, you play keyboards enough. Here, play the harpsichord part. And then Frank is writing down the vocal parts. Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's a great musician. Uh -huh. People that him and Rich Pagano gathered together because mm -hmm. Rich and Will had been playing with Hiram Bullock and and Hiram was always late it was a trio <laughs> so what did they do they played like rain paper they played all these Beatle things wow. together until Hiram got there wow. and Hiram would show up an hour late and they had already been an hour into playing you know paperback writer bass and drums and then that's, that's where Will got the idea. He said, I found the drummer that can sing and do this. Wow. And then that, that was a prerequisite. Everybody sings, everybody plays a lot of instruments. Everybody moves or jumps around uh, to, from instrument to instrument. The one you know. guy, I'm, I'm spacing on his name. Jack Nidia. What? Jack. What's his last name? Petrozelli. The other, the other keyboard player, no. guitar player. No. Frank Agnello. No. The guy who was with you now. There's only five of us. The, the guy who was with you in L.A., who played 9,000 Oh, that's Jim Boja. Yeah, he's from Philly. He he's just, another Italian, by the way. He, oh, uh, Boja, yeah. <laughs> he just ran around the stage he's playing our fifth, like... He's our, he's our sixth guy. He's, yeah. he's hysterical. It's but he's bad. like me. He learned like I did and Jack Petroselli did that I got to play everything because if I want to work, I got to play bass, I got to play guitar, play keyboard, everything. Drums, every, play, play everything. I, I remember doing a gig... When I was like 16, as a I just borrowed a drum kit and said, I think I can do this. And getting through the gig, playing bossa novas and swing tunes, you know, I said, I can do it well enough. You know, but not, I couldn't really, but I thought I could, and I had the chutzpah. But you got away with it. Yeah, so then we, play, we do because, we work on it for yeah. about an hour, and it sounds uh -huh. pretty good. Uh -huh. And that was it, we started rehearsing, we did a gig at the China Club. You know, uh, that was in the late 90s? Yeah, mm -hmm. and then we added uh, a couple of real string players. Because I said, we got to have, you know, synth and real 
strengths. Who like was Chelsea, playing with you back in the day? The same string players that we have now. Oh. Amy and Sabelle. Oh, yeah. okay. And and then I then it was like horn section. So I wrote horns for again, transcribed all the horns, and we had four horns. And uh, Wait, did, you didn't use the uptime. Who did you use? Oh no, no, no. my brother and uh, Tom Malone, <coughs> mm -hmm. Lou Soloff, Lou Soloff originally, you know. Hi Tom. Hi, and my Tom. brother and Tom Malone mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, I, I I think Tom Timko was playing baritone. Mm -hmm. Great bunch, a great mm -hmm. bunch. It's changed a little now over the years. Lou, Lou passed away, you know. Um, but when you're when you're together for twenty years, we've only lost one person, you know, in twenty years, and it, but he was a big hit for us, you know. So how did how did so you he has Letterman, you have Conan. Yeah. How are you guys making this work? We're working weekends. I'm still <coughs> in New York. Don't forget, I haven't moved yet. Uh huh. Uh, you know, uh, by the time I do. Mm -hmm. By the time I do move, about 10 years later, I'm still doing it. I'm still running back and forth. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm still doing that with those guys. You sure are. And, we, and we're not tired of it because we find interesting ways, like doing the George Harrison book. Okay, know? so t tell, tell us about what, what was that Well, we like? did a John Lennon show for his uh, 70th and 75th birthday, I believe. Mm -hmm. We did it twice. Mm -hmm. And for George's 70th, five years ago, we did George Harrison show. Um, didn't want we don't want to do a show of Paul because he's out there working still, right? And he could do his own show, he doesn't need <laughs> us to do one for him. If he called and said, Would you guys do my show? Yes, we would. Do so, it. when you're doing George, are you do, you're doing George's Beatles stuff, but you're also doing oh, the stuff oh, that there's comes, so much you're great doing everything stuff. after, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah a lot yeah. of all things must pass oh, and, and uh, extra texture. I was and, a George, yeah, George yeah we love Beatle. George, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, just uh, you know, we could even do another show, music we didn't even touch of his. Wow! And 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 as much as do you play sitar? You do, don't oh, yeah, you? Yeah, I have yeah, three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to. I have to because Will said, <laughs> <laughs> "Come on, you can do it." Ah, you know, really? he's like that big brother that you don't want to let down. You know, uh, merely because he can play, you know, like paperback writer and sing it at the same time. Yes, you know? he can. And it's like, okay, well, then I should be able to pull this off. Just learning to play the sitar for those couple of songs. Wow. But I really love it. I, I, I really enjoy playing it. When I first got it and Will was there, I, I got the sitar. I said, this is kind of like an open blues thing. And I had to do a gig at the Town Crier with John Sebastian and John Hall. Because John I Hall was running. John, Sebastian here. John Hall was running for like. Congress or something, you know, from what? John Hall from Orleans, right? Okay. And he said, we got to do a fundraiser. You and John come and, and, uh, and we'll play. We'll just play, you know, like junk band music and uh -huh. blues and stuff. And I brought the sitar and I did Good Morning Little Schoolgirl on the sitar. And, and Will was in the audience. He goes, I said, yeah, I just got it today. So I figured out, wow. well, you get to work on that Beatles stuff, man. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, uh, and I realized it was, it's all blues, everything. Okay. You know, uh, there's bending in it, like Albert King is the greatest sitar player in my mind. You know, that really? bending, quarter tone bendings and that there's an African uh, scale of uh, Asian and African, you know, quarter tones that Muddy Waters does on the slide and that Albert King does on the guitar that are, you know, linked to West Africa where the blues comes from. That's wow. where it comes from. And um, so it's all blues to me. No matter what it is. Howlin' Wolf said... Instead of it's all yeah, rock and roll to me, it's Howlin' Wolf said, 
said something to the effect of, people say you don't like the blues, but you're wrong. <laughs> and you didn't dispute Alan Wolf, whatever he said. So anyway, my friend, going back to the blues and me, my friend Brian, who played bass in my little band, that eight-piece band, played, uh, you know. When you were 13. When I was 13. Mm -hmm. He, when, when we got to be a little older, like 16 or 17, we'd have these parties after school. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody would bring a joint, a joint, the one joint. <laughs> and Brian had the blues collection mm -hmm. that him and his brother Ralph had collected. And we'd go and sit up in this, like, attic sort of place and... And listen to these deep records, these Muddy Wolf and uh, Muddy and Wolf, and you know people I I had had never heard of like J B Lenar and like Elmore James and things that I that the Stones were hooked into. Right. All the things the Stones were throwing at us. Brian had all the original versions, and wow. he was always keen to say, "Yeah, you heard it by the Stones," and he would say, "Listen to this," wow. and then he would do the A B thing, and we would got we got deep. It was so deep into it, and then Brian, after high school. Ended up moving to Chicago and working with Muddy Waters. He he was Muddy's guy. He took care of Muddy, and he was like a guitar player, uh -huh. emergency guitar player, because he was really good. And someone would invariably always miss the king, and then Brian wow. would play. Bob Margolin was in the band then, and Jerry Portnoy, that, that classic, last great mm -hmm. Muddy Waters band. So I got many times to sit down with Muddy and to play piano with Pine Top on stage if I gave him enough Hennessy. He'd let me come up and play. How did you connect with Hubert? So, Hubert was And Hubert to, then, you know, Hubert, I was uh, playing with Johnny Johnson at the uh, Chicago Blues Festival. And I'm, uh, this is how I, I met Hubert and Levon, like mm -hmm. at the same time. Okay. I, and, I, and I had missed the ride to, to Grant Park from the hotel. And I'm outside and there's, and I said, oh, that's, that's Hubert's song by myself. I'm like, that's Hubert someone, I know it. So I go over, Mr. Someone. Oh, yes, son. You know, and, and he was so sweet. He was so great. He was just like Pine Top Perkins. Mm -hmm. They were like the same person to me. I said, oh, I know it's a Mississippi like gentleman. Mm -hmm. And we're, I said, Mr. Someone, are you going over to Grand Park? He goes, yeah, but I don't know how I'm getting there. And as we're both trying to figure out, well, how are we going to get to Grand Park? You know, you didn't have Uber. Right. And you wouldn't get a cab to come and pick you up, you right. know. In Chicago, it's difficult. It's not like New York. You just go out on the street right, and right. grab a cab. So a, a tour bus pulls up. A tour bus pulls up. And the doors swing open. And smoke come out of it like Cheech and Chong. <laughs> and out of the smoke... In like what looked like a silver space running suit and wrap around Miles Davis sunglasses was Levon Helm. Oh my god. <laughs> wow. You boys need a ride over to the festival. <laughs> wow. Uber, and Hubert's in the smoke, like, hell yeah! <laughs> you know, and they took us over and we, and uh, you know and, and So uh, that was your introduction to Well, because, because and then Butch, I got to be good friends with Butchie, who was uh, the band's road manager. You know, and then when I moved up to Woodstock, I lived really close to Levon. We got really tight. And that was a big, big, big... I mean, I played, of course, you know, the first person was Phoebe, right. Phoebe Snow. Okay, all right. Phoebe right? was a very Because Phoebe, Phoebe was someone I was looking over the fence at. It was only a couple of years older than me. Okay, wait. We have you know? to go back to how this started. How you... 
Okay, you're a kid, you've got your own bands, you go going to concerts. And then I'm working, me and my brother, I'm playing B3. I'm playing B3 okay. at lounges with my brother. Like what kind, where? In, 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 in Jersey? In Jersey. Okay. Yeah, we, we would play like seven nights a week. We were make, pulling 300 bucks a night, uh, 300 bucks a week each oh. in like 1973 Which is good money, yeah. You know, and, and living at my parents' house. Okay. Both and how old are you? I'm 18. Okay. You know, well, that's no I guess I guess I'm, well, yeah, wait, I'm maybe 18, 19. Did you not yeah. go to college? I went one semester and quit because I had those books I told you about. Right. And, I read, and there I go, and they're, and, they're, and they're handing me the books that I had when I was 14. And I'm like, I already had read this book. Wow. You know, well, this is the curriculum. I said, well, I already, you know, so I was bored to shit. I didn't, I, and I left. I just said, I'm going to play. Get a B3. Okay. You know, find a guitar player and a drummer and my brother on sax. Okay. And we'll just start playing music. Okay, because, so this and then, is... And then we're playing in lounges, man. We're doing that. And then we after that, okay, we started. Okay, so this is 18. This is 1973. 73-4. Because okay. I graduate in June of 73. Because I'm listening to Phoebe Snow, 72, yeah. 71, yeah. 72. Well, Poetry Man was yeah. huge. Yeah. And uh, and I was a huge Phoebe. Me too. Phoebe fan. Yeah. And I went, my girlfriend and I love Phoebe. Yeah. And she went to Newcomb College down in New Orleans. So okay. I followed her down there for a while. Okay. And hung out down there and got a real dose of some real shit. <laughs> That's some real deep, thick, greasy music. That's the best music <laughs> coming out of America ever. Wow. Is right there. Wow. Never mind Motown and never mind I don't even care. You know, Memphis or or you know, Texas was great, but New Orleans seemed to be the place where it was just so heavy, you know. Mm -hmm. Heavier than anywhere. And a lot of guys left New Orleans and, you know, drummers like Earl Palmer ended up in LA making records and a lot Mac Rebeneck left and came, you know, Dr. Johnny went out to L.A. to play. Mm -hmm. Tulsa was another place where Leon and all those guys came. That was like uh -huh. New Orleans. Uh -huh. That that you know, and Chicago, of course. Every city had a sound, okay. you know, and it's just a preference. So you somebody know, may say, "Oh, you know, Memphis was the best." Well, to you, mm -hmm. yeah. To me, New Orleans was that was. What the was that real show? Movie. Oh my God! Old Sound Man was on it. Mm -hmm. That. Um, David Grohl, they, they went around to each yeah, city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great show. Well, they went show. to the studios. They went to the studios, but they yeah. did, the, they did yeah. the history of that city. And the very last studio, the Magic Shop, is where I did most of my work in New York that oh. closed down. And that was really bittersweet to see that. But anyway, so Speedy, like, you know, I'm like working with my brother. We're so like just working all kinds musician. of yeah, we're just But then finally it got to be, okay, I'm just making money. I'm treading water here. Okay. And... What, and are, are and you then doing I, original music or you or no you, no and I got really tired of the B three and like all the shit you know and I just I started to hear that I wanted to play guitar mm -hmm. and I'm like by the time I'm 22 I want to start playing guitar so and it doesn't matter when you play we see five year old geniuses that picked it up for one year mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter it's it's the amount of time you put into it mm -hmm. not how young. Or how many years? This is your edutainment. Yeah. 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 Well, no, because you because anybody who concentrates on anything can do great. You know, they can do it. Uh, so I quit. <laughs> I just went to... I, my father went to high school with Bucky Pizzarelli, who was a great guitar player, played on The Tonight Show. His son, John Pizzarelli, wow. genius. Mm -hmm. and, and, his, uh, and, and the bass player, the other son, too. They're all like just Martin, bass player. The Pizzarelli's are... 
from Totowa, where my father grew up. They went mm -hmm. to high school. Mm -hmm. He called me, he said, you wanna, can, can you take my son? He said, well, I'm, I'm too busy. Have him go see Joe Cinderella, another Italian, Pizzarelli. <laughs> Italian guitar players in New Jersey, all jazz guitar. So I studied and studied with Harry Leahy, uh, Jack Wilkins, uh, Joe, you know, I went to see as much jazz guitar. And then I said, I'm not playing jazz guitar. I'm playing guitar, you know, just guitar. I'm gonna figure out what, what to do. And uh, then started playing guitar and I went into the, started going into the city. Mm -hmm. And it's late, man, you know, I'm like late going into the city, uh, you know, living in Hasbro Heights, taking the tunnel, going in, hanging out at JP's uptown where mm -hmm. everybody was. That's where I met Al Cooper, Harry Nelson, Bobby Kennedy Jr., the weirdest people, Peter O'Toole hanging out wow. in there. Uh, it was like a tiny China club. Really? Yeah, shit was going on in the well, basement. Well, well, you know, that was like 74? No, 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 no. Now it's, it? now it's, uh... Oh, oh it's older. 79, yeah. it's, this is when punk is happening. Oh, okay. 78, 79, okay. I meet Al Cooper, you know. Uh -huh. uh, and, uh, and, I'm, and I start playing with Phoebe's hanging out there, uh, picking up a band of people that I know, that I know from Jersey. So I started playing with Phoebe. Was, were the Contis playing with her back no. then? Not no, yet. They, later, uh -huh. yeah. later. So I'm playing with Phoebe, uh -huh. and then uh, some of us are playing with Al, them are playing with Al Cooper at the same time. Mm -hmm. And this is where I, uh, and we're all playing the bottom line, and Al needed a guitar player, a, a keyboard player, uh -huh. one night. So Louie, who played with Phoebe with me, uh -huh. uh, said, uh, Al, get Jimmy to play piano and organ. Uh -huh. uh, you know, when you play guitar, he'll play keyboards. So I did, I had a great gig with Al. And then a couple months later, the, the, the guitar player who plays with Phoebe couldn't make Al's gig, and he sends me. And Al says, you're a keyboard player. Mm -hmm. I said, so are you. <laughs> nice. So we, were, we, were, we got to be best friends, you oh, know. Nice. Uh, and and um, so I'm working at the bottom line a lot, and this is where... Where does Laura Nero come into this uh, She story? comes in after Leader of the Pack and Darlene Love and Ronnie Spector. How did that, that, okay, how did that happen? That happened because I was playing at the bottom line. Mm -hmm. I was doing these shows for Cousin Brucey, backing up Rick Derringer, and and uh, and and it, what was the one that got the singer, singer from, uh, uh, oh jeez, here we go. We're having one of those I, moments. No, uh, you had, this is your first. I've had a, I've had twenty. Yeah, of them no, no, I, no, I, no. From Paul Revere and the Raider, Mark Lindsay. Great. I, I saw him he last year. You know, and Chubby Checker and everybody. I mean. Anybody coming through, I was backing them up. Wow. And that was a gig at the bottom line, and Alan Pepper got to know me. Mm. Uh, so when Ellie Greenwich came in to do her show and talked mm -hmm. to Alan, Alan recommended me. And Ellie was like, I don't know, I, I, want, I, I don't know him, you know. So I said, you do know me, because when you were writing songs for Patti Smythe before Scandal, before mm -hmm. she had her deal, wow. I was the guitar player on the sessions with Lee Shapiro, who was... Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, mm -hmm. who I went to high school with. So Lee says, calls Ellie, and says, "Yeah, you know Jimmy, yeah. Oh yeah, oh Jim Jim, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I forgot." She said, "Well, you got to talk to Paul Schaefer because he, we want him to work on the show too. Uh, you would, he would be the music director, and, and you could be the arranger." I said, "Great, that's what I love. I want to work with Paul. I want to meet him." So I go up to the Gramercy Park Hotel where Paul lives, by the way. Mm -hmm. He comes in from Canada, right, Saturday Night Live, mm -hmm. and he has the romantic notion of America where you live in a hotel, mm -hmm. like Duke Ellington. Mm -hmm. So Paul, I go up there, and Paul is up there, and Harry Shearer's on the couch. They're sitting there. When you, when you walk into Paul's 
apartment or room at the uh -huh. Gramercy Park, you open the door and the couch is facing, looking like right at you. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting on there and they have a Superman lunchbox. <laughs> and inside the lunchbox is not lunch. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we didn't have lunch. <laughs> We had not lunch. You had not lunch. And then I handed Paul a stack of charts that I did. And he looks at him and goes, yeah, fine. He goes, I don't do horns. You do the horns. I'll do the rhythm section. You're hired. Wow. I said, oh, great. Just like, did he know who you were? He didn't know me from Adam. Come no. on. He's my mentor, though. He's the guy that got me started. Something clicked. Mm -hmm. He looked at the work, and I we talked about it a little bit. And what year is this? Oh, I, I, I'm, I'm imagining... I think it's 80. Okay. 81 maybe, latest. Mm -hmm. So we do that Broadway, that off-Broadway show. We, we have Darling Love, you know. And, what uh, off-Broadway show? Uh, uh, Leader of the Pack. Oh, oh, okay. We do it at the mm -hmm. bottom line. Carla DeVito, mm -hmm. remember? Yeah, and Ro they're, they're Rory my Facebook Dodd, friends. Robbie Benson and Rory Carla. Dodd, who yeah, sang yeah. with Meatloaf. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just this great Annie, you know. Uh, wow. Oh, my God. Annie from the shirts, you know. Oh, God. Annie Golden. Oh, I love great. Annie. I and know Annie, Annie Golden, Golden. was, I love was Annie the greatest. Golden. She was in there with Lula Hedwig and uh, oh, Patty Darcy. Fabulous. Oh my God, it was a great show. And so I had uh, did the charts, and mm -hmm. Paul played piano, and you know taught me so much about. He said if you if you play it, if you listen to the record, and you get the bass and drums right first, and then build it. And I was used to listening things from the top down. Okay. Strings and horns, vo vo vocals, all that. But I, I found out from Paul that it really comes from music. Comes from under. It comes from the bass Listen, and drums. Kids, this is edutainment. Yeah, it's the bass and drums, and and he so kindly mm -hmm. had a way that I I hope that I ad adapted. Where if I would, he would listen to something that I wrote, and then he would say. I, did you hear this? I thought I heard this in there. And then he would like straighten it out for me. And I go, wow. yeah, you know, I go, yeah, I guess I didn't, I guess I didn't not eat from the lunchbox enough. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> he was really, hearing things, but he was, he was so, see, Paul is like, That's a really nice way to teach You know, though. the way George R.R. R. Martin says he lived in Bayonne as a kid and looked out mm -hmm. towards New York mm -hmm. and all of that Game of Thrones shit came into his head because he's fantasized about this magical land. Mm -hmm. Paul was like that from Canada, thinking about American music. And, 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 you know, and he loved the record so much, like so many Canadians, like Neil Young and a lot of other people had come down, mm -hmm. and, and Joni Mitchell, mm -hmm. and like the Stones, from Eng people from England, they just appreciate what we take for granted. Mm -hmm. you know, and that's, you know, that's always been the case. We've been shown our own reflection, you know, uh, by by these great artists who really were weaned on American records mm -hmm. or U.S. records because mm -hmm. Canadians don't like to not be called Americans. <laughs> is and, that so? Yes, it is so. They are Americans. <laughs> they are. They're North Americans. North Americans. No, they are. They call know. themselves Americans? Oh, the U.S. they call us. The U.S. Okay. They're North Americans. Okay. Uh, I worked up there a lot. I know. They're great people. Okay. Uh, I, I almost considered moving there. Really? Yeah, just last year. Well, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. One time, one time, but I had a real high draft number, you know. Uh, but I would have gone because my father would not have let me go away. Well, what that. was your number? We were oh, just I, it was really high in the 300s. Oh, you know? oh, wow. But, you know, that war, is, uh, that war wasn't what we're dealing with uh, no. now at all. You know, um, no. that, that war was a tragedy, a terrible thing. 
uh, and the mm -hmm. veterans didn't get the respect they deserved from coming mm -hmm. home from that, you know, and, and mm -hmm. we hope they do now, but then they didn't. Yeah. They didn't. But anyway, so I'm in working the bottom line all the time, mm -hmm. doing that show with Schaefer. I even took it to Broadway, and so I did that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then um, I was playing with Laura. Uh, are you at this no, is Laura this didn't come yet. I'm Laura, playing with Laura, Phoebe, rather. Laura. I was playing with Phoebe wow. all the time. And uh, I played with Benny King a lot, you know, mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of stuff at the Lone Star. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and then I got a call to, with Ronnie Spector, who was working. We put something together with Fearless Cavalieri and John Sebastian, two of my favorite people. Records that, first of all, the Rascals, yeah. that Gene was, Cornish's the Rascals were the guys yeah. who's, who, who made little Italian kids like me figure we can do that too. <laughs> because the Rascals were just fabulous and yes, like, they were. Grew, just blue-eyed soul. Mm -hmm. And then John was another Pugliese, by the way. Really? Yeah, and he speaks fluent I mean, Italian. Well, yeah. I didn't know that. His father was the no world-class John Pugliese. He had like blonde hair. And red, but his father was from Abruzzese, you know? So his father was the world-class harmonica player with orchestras. Really? He played with with Segovia, you know? Wow. Duets with, anyway, Sebastian and they're putting this thing together called Deja Vu, <laughs> right? <laughs> Sid Vinegar and, and Joel Gallon's on it. He's... Joel Gallon is like a road manager. This mm -hmm. Joel Gallon is the guy who later put, yeah, because okay. Joel later put Unplugged together for MTV. Okay. So I met Joel Gallon mm -hmm. as uh, Felix's road manager. Mm -hmm. So we go and we do this thing, NRBQ's on it, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm playing with all the bands. Mm -hmm. So me and Sebastian got to be really good, really good friends, and it's Felix. So then I started working with Felix. And this is like... This is say, I don't know, 84, okay. you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and I, I, something like that, 83 mm -hmm. or 4, and mm -hmm. I started working with Felix and John a lot. Mm -hmm. They, of course, have this connection with Laura Nero, both of them. You know, Felix produced Christmas in the Beads of Sweat, oh, John no, knew her, John knew her from the Bronx from way back, you know, when she was a kid from Bill Graham, uh -huh. 16 years old at the Fillmore. And so how old is she now? Uh, she, you know, she's in her 40s, okay. maybe, you know. So she's this is like, like at the end of her career. Well, you know, she, uh, Roscoe Herring, who was mm -hmm. the, Felix, uh, who was Sebastian's road manager, a good friend, he said, uh, Lorelai, we call her Lorelai, is looking for, to put a band together. Uh, I gave her your name. So I call her on the phone. Yes. I call Laura, she picks up the phone. Mm -hmm. The goddess the voice that makes you melt. I don't I, care who I, you I are. I have goosebumps now while you talk Just about Just speaking her. on the phone. Oh. Um, hi, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. Can you come to Connecticut? So I'm going to come and see you play first, she said. And then if I like you, you should come to Connecticut and we could talk. So I'm playing the Lone Star. Mm -hmm. And I see Roscoe. Roscoe's really tall with gray hair. You who know, are you maybe. playing with? I'm playing with Benny King now, okay. and, she's, mm -hmm. and, and Doc Palmas is sitting, it's like rock and roll dream, there's Doc Palmas, Benny King, you know, he's uh, great, mm -hmm. me and David Keyes and a couple, couple mm -hmm. other people, and I don't see Laura, all I see is this like, this hooded sweatshirt, like <laughs> next to Roscoe, like almost like just like incognito, but nobody would know her anyway, but right. she was just like wanted to, didn't like being there. But she liked the show because she loved singing, loved Benny King. Then I got the call to go to Connecticut. So I go up to Connecticut. Roscoe takes me up there because 
I'm living in Queens and some dump, you know. Were you a Laura Nero fan when you were a kid? Oh, so I mean, like, oh, oh god. my god. Because because and here we go again. This is back to me reading the record. Charlie Colello is producing and doing the charts. Okay. Charlie Colello did the charts that, that for that Blood, Sweat and Tears album I love so much with Al. And he also did all produced at the charts for the, 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 the records for for all of the four seasons stuff that I listened oh. to as a kid. Mm -hmm. So this is all like coming together. Right. And Laura Nigro, by the way, another, mm -hmm. it's Jewish Italian, mm -hmm. she's both, she has double guilt. So she, uh, she, I go up to her place and it's this great spread in Connecticut. There's this beautiful stone farmhouse and a studio, like way bigger than this place with like a beautiful Steinway in it. And we go in the house and nobody's in there. Roscoe's looking for her, he goes, you know, she doesn't come in here much, let's go up to the, the little house. So there's like this Japanese, like little Japanese cottage back, set back on the property. Uh -huh. So we go up this little stone pathway and it's getting very weird now because we <laughs> open the door and there's nothing in there but a, what, you know, have you ever seen the Japanese pillow that looks like a brick? It looks like a brick. Oh, a pillow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. Right, it's uh -huh. that, it's a, like, a, like a, mm -hmm. a bamboo mat and a brick and one chair, a lot like your chair, uh -huh. That's for me. She's sitting on the mat. Her dog Emmy is with her, and I have a chair. So I'm sitting in the middle of the room in a chair like this, and she's sitting over there across the room, way across the room from me. And she gets up, and she sashays the way only she could over to me and hands me a paper plate. I look at the paper plate. Yeah. The paper plate. And there's, her ideas, are written on the paper plate, but from the inside out like this, right? What do you mean Spiraling. from the inside out? The first word is on the point oh. in the middle, in the middle of where the dot would be right in the middle okay. of the paper plate, the word, <laughs> my vision, and it's going for this, and I'm like turning what? this plate and leading. I said, this is so fucking bizarre. <laughs> and I'm really, and then I get to the end of it, and, and you know, in, in it it's about harmony, yeah. mostly. It's uh -huh. beautiful. I wish I had it. Wow. I wish I, I wish I don't know what happened. Wow. She didn't want me to have it. She wanted me to read it and keep it. Right. We didn't do that. That we didn't say, hey, can I take right. a picture of that and put it on Instagram? <laughs> we didn't do that. Or it wasn't like you meet Laura. Hey, let's take a selfie. <laughs> We're so fucking rude today. It's horrible. Are there pictures of you with Laura? Yeah, there's some people will send me them. I, I did a gig recently in Boston, and somebody said, this was 30 years ago, exactly to this day that you played with Laura in oh Boston, and they gave me the picture, and it was oh really God. great. And, and so well, then, so and it's, it's about she, harmony. It's so about, wait, so she gives you the, she gives right, you the vision. And I read it, and, yeah. and, the, and the big part of the vision is a yeah. band, uh -huh. a band with everyone sings. Okay. And it's three women and three men. Like it. So it's it's gonna be Nidia Mata, who was in a band called Isis. Remember them? Mm -hmm. They were all all girls, mm -hmm. all women. Mm -hmm. right? They weren't Thank girls. You. They were Thank women. You. And they were women. Mm -hmm. And they and they had uh, Nidia on percussion. Mm -hmm. And uh, Diane Wilson was just a singer. Mm -hmm. And Diane Wilson, and she was like on harmony. And Laura. And Dave Wofford on bass, who played with Spyro Gyro. Yes, really I, I knew him from New York. Jersey, mm -hmm. I know. Yeah, Dave mm -hmm. Wofford. 
And Frank Pagano mm -hmm. on drums, who I played with in high school in that band when I was right. 13, and myself on guitar singing. So really did just- Did you bring him in? Did you, did, yeah, how, yeah, yeah, I brought Frank in and mm -hmm. Dave. Mm -hmm. I brought Wofford. I said to Frank, who, he said, we gotta get Wofford, you know, cause I knew Wofford from clubbing around, mm -hmm. you know, playing really great bass player. Mm -hmm. And the right, also, the right vibe. Because mm. I knew Laura was really, you know, we tried out bass players at one point, and she would, like, leave the room. And some women who expected to get the gig, and Laura would just get up and leave the room. Wow. She was, oh, she just made me so uncomfortable. Or some guy who just wouldn't, you know, just, just wouldn't get it. She knew it. You know, and, and Dave came in, and she was like, oh, you know, it's, he's calming, but he plays, and he played perfectly for her, because she is a, um, probably the only artist I've ever worked with. Because okay, I, well, that's, that's a artist, really, that's a With a capital A. That's a big statement. Yeah, but that's, if there's very few that come along. That's a big statement. There are very few that are just, because an artist, what qualifies you as an artist and not a performer, mm -hmm. is that you don't care mm -hmm. about sales. Mm -hmm. You don't care about tickets. Mm -hmm. You don't care, we'd be driving through, and she'd say, when let's stop the bus here and let's go and then she let's just walk around this town and she was like don't you think we could all live here you know she had this like other dream like quality you know and and she would and she composed uh but didn't write it down ever you know she it was stream of consciousness with her playing she, she was sitting at the piano she but she had I don't even know if she knew what a note was, you know, if, the, if this was a, a D flat or a C or, well, she knew, she put her hands on the piano and music came out, yeah. naturally. Um, some of the greatest music I ever heard, it's the most, and I discussed this with people about Hubert Sumlin and other players, that it's heart to hand, mm -hmm. and the head really doesn't come into it. And she could sing a Carol King song like Up on the Roof, and you would think it was hers. That's yeah. a great artist yes. too. Yes. You know. Yes. That's a, that's a Sinatra Elvis. Her version of El, of Eli's coming. Eli's coming. Yeah. Holy. Well, that's her shit. song. Oh, that's right. They yeah. took it from her. They took that's it from right. her. That's right. They took it from her. And when I die, was, you know. Oh, I. You know. I. Her version of when, when I die. Oh my God. Yeah. A lot of people are saying hello. Who's saying hello? hello. Tell us while he's tuning up. Oh God, I know, I know so many people watching right now. Hi, Jim Madnick. Hi, Dave Farrell. Who's playing? Who else? Who's saying hello? We got um, Eric Morrell. Okay. Hey, Jimmy. And we got Scott Kranz. Hi, John Green. Hi, Scott. Do you know, you know Scott from New York, Scott Kranz? Oh. Yeah. Hey, Scott. Scott and Mark. Good. We got Robert um, Owen. Oh, and I mentioned a Lone Star. Those know, guys I, were there that I, night, I know, probably. I know Scott from um, from Stand Up New York and then from True Blue, yeah. We got Rob, Rob Lee. Mason. Mason Reese is on. Hey, Mason. Hey, Mason. I'm sure Will's watching. Hi, Bob Taffer. Um, I hope Mason's still playing the drums. Joey Cole is watching. Yeah. You know, Mason, yeah, Mason used to play for me. He'd bring in the Lebanese uh, uh, horn players, and that's how I met Bruce Kapler and, and Al Shez and stuff. Mason, Mason's one of the good people. Mason is a good people, and I think he played drums recently, and he hadn't played in a long time, but I think he just played recently somewhere. Um, well, 
Well, Laura, anyway. Okay, well, yeah, let's... You let's, know, I, re, I, 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 we always, we always had this thing about taking I, and when I die back because of what blood, sweat, and tears had done to they it. Own, they and own, they And this is yeah. when I say Laura's an artist. She didn't... She never made a dime on her records or her version of anything. Really? You know, everything was covered. Barbara Streisand covering Stony End, you know. Right. Uh, Wedding Bell Blues, The Fifth Dimension, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and When I Die, uh, Eli's Common, Three L Dog Night. But Lucky and Louie are my two favorite songs. Of the, the, that beginning yeah. of that album, Lucky and Louie. Oh, my God. So yeah. I had recorded this. Yeah. I'm not scared of dying. Don't really care. It's all blues. It's all Delta blues to me. It's so I could turn blues. anything yes. into backwards into Delta blues. That's pretty fabulous. But I and and Laura never got to hear that, you know. Mm. But working with her every night was uh, wonderful. It was great. It was. Uh, did she do versions of her own stuff? Oh yeah. I yeah. can't imagine. No, she that's did all the same we did. All night. we did, and then a couple of covers. No, but I no, but I mean, did she change up her own stuff? Or well, she had this thing where she would just. You know, could just go stream of conscious like a jazz player, mm -hmm. and 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 move things along. It was a heads up kind of thing. Uh, Will had worked with her on a, on, a, on an album called Nested, mm -hmm. and he had this great story. He said, "Yeah, Laura, because we're recording. Terry Silver likes playing drums, really good. Laura, mm -hmm. you know, and, and Will, and um, she took. We're trying. We can't get the take. The recording in that house in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. We can't get the take." And Laura stops the session and comes, says, Will, come outside with me. And she points to a wicker chair on the porch and says, can you make the bass sound like that? <laughs> and uh, I said, Will, if you didn't get that, I know exactly what she means. You know, I know exactly. I know. I know because I read the paper plate. Did, 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 did you didn't. Will didn't read the paper did, plate. Did Will know what that meant? Uh, he didn't know at all. But so what I did think he, do? he just he just said okay and probably played less. You know what I mean? Probably like figured okay. That means simple. simple. Yeah, yeah. And he was probably right that that's what she meant. Make it sound like that chair. She wanted it to sound like home, like comfortable, mm -hmm. like a wicker chair. Not like, oh, you know, we can play. Mm -hmm. But she had, there were things she did want to be complicated. You know, she had one thing called Roll the Ocean mm -hmm. with Chuck Rainey on bass and Steve Gadd on drums. That was just, her part was really simple. And those guys were back there like, just, you know, it was beautiful. And it never was released for a long time. She just played the demo for me and uh, and then we decided to start doing it live. And it's on so that, how, we how, made that one live album at the bottom line. How, now how would she work with you guys? Did she 
give you, did she let you do your thing? Did she direct you? Did, no direction. She, the same with Levon and the band, guys in the band. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, because I was so used to being Schaefer, like saying, okay, this, everybody do this. You know, that we had that Control. Jack Nishi, this uh, Phil Spector kind of idea that everybody's got to have their little box to right. make their record. But this was creating more than that. Uh, she wanted the personalities of the players to come out. Mm. So, you know, I... I once worked with Hank Williams Jr., who I, I dearly love. I think mm -hmm. he's just great, you know. Mm -hmm. And he had a great say, and if somebody would play something, you know, and try to win, and he'd hear us talking, and, uh, you know, I'd say, uh, well, I think, it's a, I think it's a seven maybe with a flat nine. Or, and he would say, I don't know what you call it, but that ain't it. <laughs> you know? And that, you know, and, and, that's, and James Brown used to say, don't play no college chords. You know? <laughs> Now, Joel Gowan, mm -hmm. who we talked about, mm -hmm. he was Felix's road manager when I was on the road with Felix Cavallari. And um, after we parted ways, uh, we stayed friends. And I said, listen, man, I know you're doing things with Sid and you're doing things, you're coming up with MTV. If anything ever comes up with James Brown, I will carry a <laughs> guitars. I'll bring water to the stage. I will pay you to have me there. So... Three years later, whatever, uh -huh. he calls me, he says, remember what you said? I said, what? He goes, yeah, about James Brown. I said, what? He said, yeah, you said you would carry guitar cases and stuff. So I don't want you to do that. But I have this thing we're doing in Detroit because Aretha won't fly. Mm -hmm. And you can find it on YouTube, I think. It's called Cinemax. It was for Cinemax. He, okay. was, getting, he was getting into um, uh, cable, you know, Joel. This is before MTV Unplugged. Okay. He's going to do a thing called a Soul Session. Okay. With James Brown, uh -huh. Aretha Franklin, Wilson Pickett, Joe Cocker. At the time, Billy Vera had a big record. He's on it. Robert Palmer's on it. Wow. Right. And what the idea what, what is? What year is this? Uh, Ish. You can look it up. I don't know. Yeah. Eighty. Maybe. Eighty-seven. Something okay. like that. You know. Mm -hmm. And we're going to go to Detroit. He said, "I'll give you five hundred bucks if you do the charts." And you can, you know, carry your own guitar. But you're not going to play. Says, here's oh, what you're, you're going to do. Play. Here's what you're going to do. Uh -huh. you're, you're, I'm going to bring you to Detroit mm -hmm. because Aretha won't fly. Mm -hmm. We have to do it in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to do the charts for the whole show, and you're going to teach James Brown's band how to play all this material, like "Addicted to Love" and right. "When a Man Loves a Woman," all the songs that they don't know. Right. Everybody's thing was going to be to do a and song. And it was all James's band. James is Mr. Brown. Mr. James. <laughs> Mr. Brown. <laughs> Mr. It was Brown. Mr. Brown's band. Okay. And it's in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Maceo's on it, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, Charles Shirell, who was now music director, used to be the bass player in the band. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Melvin Parker and John uh, Morgan were the drum two drummers. Mm -hmm. That's key, you'll see. Mm -hmm. Like four horns or five horns, two drummers, two guitars. Jimmy Nolan was still there, my favorite James Brown guitar player. Uh, and... And uh, we'll go to Detroit. I do the charts. I get together with Maceo. We're, you know, I'm running all day before all the horns. I get together with Joe Cocker in the bar. Uh, we got to figure out what key he's going to do one of Manuel's. Okay, well, what was that like? Well, we got, first of all, we had to drink. So then you I, weren't going to be sober around Joe. Okay, I want to hear about Joe. So Joe, he was the sweetest man mm. ever, ever, ever. And... 
So there's a and piano. The drunk, the drunkest man, I'm assuming, also. Well, he no? could carry it the way, the way yeah. a lot of a lot of Englishmen can carry that. Mm -hmm. He carried Peter himself well. You had a meeting with Peter. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he was a brilliant, <laughs> brilliant man. So and we would uh, we sat there just like a bar in the corner, mm -hmm. uh, a piano, and not a lot of people there in a the hotel. So we start. I start playing when a man loves a woman. Joe the Singing like the only Joe could sing, mm -hmm. and, and then he says, "Higher." He says, "Higher." Mm -hmm. Do it higher, won't Ray Charles? Right? Mm -hmm. I'm going higher and higher. Not one another half step. Okay. I said, "Joe, when are you going to know?" He goes, "Well, when it hurts right here, I'll know we're in the right key." <laughs> and I said, "Okay." Finally, we got up to you know whatever key we got up to, him. and he was killing it. You know, and he looked like it was absolute pain, like you know, just like. Well, he always looked like he was in pain. And so great. Uh -huh. And he was going to, and everyone was going to sing a song and a song with James Brown, a duet. Wow. So it get, comes around time for Aretha uh, and Mr. Brown. What did, what did, what did Joe and, and Mr. Brown sing? Well, I can't remember. Okay. All right. <laughs> but I know that, uh, that, that Aretha uh, mm -hmm. was, you know, they, they do two together. <coughs> okay. And. And the best part was when James Brown did it's a man's, this is a man's world. Mm -hmm. And Aretha busted in with Do Right Woman. Like we mended them. You know, and she's singing at him. You know, Ooh. if you want to do right. You said this is record, this and, is yeah, on. It's a, if you can find it on YouTube, maybe. It's what was called a soul session. A soul uh, session, with, okay. With James Brown. Oh, Jesus. Now, we get there, mm -hmm. and I'm there early, and... Mm -hmm. uh, Rehearsing Mr. Brown's band. Mr. Brown's band. We're rehearsing Addicted to Love for Robert Palmer with Robert Palmer. And who I worked with also after that again. Okay. I loved him. Mm. He was I think he was a secret agent. I really do. I think he was James Bond. I think Robert Palmer really Why he walked that? in a room with a martini and a scarf all the time. You know? <laughs> like he just got off a Learjet or something. And he, he always he was had the classiest yeah. guy. He had a villa in Italy where he lived. Mm. You know, he didn't live anywhere but in a villa in Italy. <laughs> or he may have been a Bond villain, even. It could have been. So, you <laughs> were saying Robert Palmer's singing, and he's just really just a great, mm. great soul singer. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I, I got both drummers going. I got the, he broke this part up from the record. We're loving it. And I get a tap on the shoulder, and Charles Sherrell, Mr. Brown's music director, says, Mr. Brown wants to talk to you. I said, is he here? He says, turn around. He's standing there like this with little scarf here, glasses, you know. He looks, his hair is perfect. He just, it's James Brown, Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. I step off the stage and walk over. Are you freaking? No, I'm trying to be cool. You're trying, but And he freaking? says to me, he got his hand, it's great the way he's, the way he's standing, because I don't know if you can see this, but he's standing like this, body language, like, you know. He wants to be cool, but he's something's bugging him. So he says to me, "How come you got both drummers playing?" I said, "Because we have two. <laughs> he says, "Not supposed to. Not supposed to both be playing at one time." I go, "Mr. Brown, if I may, why do we have two drummers? Well, because when one gets tired, the other one picks up the beat without missing a beat." <laughs> I said, "Oh." He said, "Then he says to me, but you can use two drummers. Not my music, though." For this, for this music, not for my music. I said, I have nothing to say about your music, sir. I'm just trying to, uh, and you have to be careful with him. I didn't want to say teach his band. 
Right. Anything. Right. I said, I'm just trying to take you guys through this. You know. That was smart. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, so so that Mr. Palmer, it was Mr. Everybody. The respect he and, and he was very that's a very smart thing. The guys in his band that were called Boy or whatever, all their lives that were treated so bad, he demanded, almost like the New York Times, they'll call a murderer, you know, Mr. Manson. <laughs> you know, they put that Mr. And he put the Mr. He insisted that we all called everybody Mr. You gave me goosebumps. Again. Everybody in his band, Mr. Johnny Griggs. You know, Mr. Maceo Park. And when he introduced yeah. them... When Mr. Brother he, Mr. He, he, no, they were Brother Mr. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, so anyway, he says to me, you can... You can, you know, use both drummers on this because it sounds pretty good, but it's not my music. It's not my, no, it's not your music, sir. Uh, I'm just trying to, you know, make something happen for Mr. Palmer. You know, he goes, well, it sounds good. You know, so, and then I went, oh, like, oh my God. What's he, you know, that's James Brown. He is the best arranger in the world. You know I mean? And he, and I met him years, and years later when I was doing the Conan show, he came in. It was funny, after he was uh, uh, let out, mm -hmm. you know, he was making that last trip mm -hmm. after his uh, incarceration there for whatever the hell happened, I don't know. Uh, but we had dressing rooms at Conan that were like the size of a jail cell, prison cell. Mm -hmm. He would not sit in that room. He wow. sat outside in the hallway. Wow. From the minute he got there and wow. signed autographs and took pictures and was, but he would not go in that room. He wow. <laughs> was like, he was stir crazy in there. Wow. And, and he came in the band room when we were rehearsing. And he's he picked up. You? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was a brilliant. And he picked up every instrument, you know, and just played to show everybody, you know, he, 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 was, a, he was a natural teacher, you know. Wow. He, and he wanted everybody to know that it all came from him. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was an ego thing that was. That he merited, mm -hmm. he really did. Mm -hmm. You know, everything we know, we cannot. And I had this discussion with Steve Jordan and other great drummers. We cannot trace the funk that he came up with uh, to before him. Mm -hmm. We say we hear some of that in New Orleans music. We say we might hear some of it in jazz, and but no, that you know, cutting up the time thing. That uh, you know, Jabo Starks and, uh, and and Clyde Stubblefield did with James Brown came from him. That came from James Brown because he came out of straight R and B, Five Royals, you know, Loman Pauling, King Records in the fifties, you know. But when he, when Cold Sweat came out, that was like, what is that? That's like, there's not a record, there's not a beat. That beat doesn't exist. Has anybody before. ever asked him where that came from? Well, you know, he would say it came from James Brown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wouldn't he? Yeah, I guess Naturally, so. it came from me, you know? And it did. And it did, and it did. And, uh, and, you know, those are the moments when, you know, we didn't have, again, there's no, you know. Yeah, yeah. But we remember these things. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's like, um, the, again, people stepping out of your record collection, and he was as wonderful as you could imagine. Where... I don't know what it would be like to work for him, mm -hmm. you know, but it would be an honor to work for him, mm -hmm. and you would learn something. Mm -hmm. And uh, even, How was I, that and even I must say, even Ike Turner, mm -hmm. in meeting Ike Turner the first time, because Ike Turner, you know, was, regardless of all the hoo ha later and all mm -hmm. the crap with Tina, mm -hmm. he was one of the most important people in the music business. Mm -hmm. When he went through the South, uh, he came out of St. Louis, he played piano on Rocket 88, Jackie Branson, arguably 
the first rock and roll record. Mm -hmm. He was an A&R guy and found Howlin' Wolf. He found a whole wow. bunch of guys in Memphis. Uh -huh. and, uh, I didn't and, know that. Yeah, and mm -hmm. brought them up to, to Chess Records. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and he knew, was like James Brown in running a band and arranging mm -hmm. and knowing music. These guys were the, the earlier Quincy Joneses mm -hmm. of the world, you know, mm -hmm. that made, these guys made shit happen on mm -hmm. records. Mm -hmm. You know, Ike Turner plays lead guitar on Otis Rush's, uh, you know, uh, Double Trouble, his big, you know, his big, his big record, or All Your Love, it's All Your Love, I believe, mm -hmm. yeah. Not Double Trouble, that's Otis Rush. <laughs> but on the first one, the first single, mm -hmm. he's playing uh, lead guitar because, you know, in those days, if somebody comes in and they can't really sing and play at the same time, you got Ike Turner's producing the record, mm -hmm. and you can tell when you hear that you hear that vibrato thing on the on the Strat. You know, Ike was a, Ike was a wild guitar player, man. So James Brown, we do that, mm -hmm. and then what, was it? Was it a great show? Was it? A, it's, a, it's a great show. It's because it sounds. Insane. Everybody had tuxedos on. Oh. You know Wilson Pickett. Singing Cold Sweat with James Brown, you know, it was just really wow. I got, I'm finding that tonight. the best. The best part about Wilson Pickett was we get there and, mm -hmm. I, and I so love Wilson Pickett. You know, if you could wish you could sing like anybody, it would be Wilson Pickett. You know, he was the baddest mm -hmm. man. And he he gets there and Joel says he got to call Pickett. He's a he's a he's a Francois Lafarge. Call the desk and ask for Francois Lafarge. So okay. Well, you know, a lot of people use pseudonyms right. when they mm -hmm. check in. Mm -hmm. So I come to find out why he's not Wilson Pickett that mm -hmm. day. Okay. He said, he said, listen, man, you gotta you gotta take my stuff at dress rehearsal the day before the gig. I can't be there for the gig. So I called the producer. I said, Did you know that Pickett's gonna leave? He's gonna watch his stuff done Friday. And uh <laughs> And because I said, what? And they said, yeah, we know. We got we to gotta do a special taping for him on Friday. So what's going on? He goes, well, the marshals after him. Oh, my God. He had child support to play in Detroit. He didn't want to come to Detroit. He came for Aretha. Mm -hmm. He came for James Brown. Mm -hmm. He came into a danger zone. Wow. <laughs> because he thought it was a great idea for these three that never worked together. Mm -hmm. That can never happen again. You know, and, and and with all due respect, it's not the same as, uh, as you know, John Legend and, I don't know who, Rihanna. It's not the same as three of those people getting together today. Mm -hmm. These people created legend. They, they were the best, three of the best singers. Aretha Franklin, there's nobody ever, you know, I would argue Billie Holiday with Aretha Franklin any day because mm -hmm. of her piano playing. Mm -hmm. Because of her, just her her thing, mm -hmm. she changed it. That people took it. You know, she's like a, like the way Hendrix changed guitar. She mm -hmm. changed singing. Mm -hmm. Her and Stevie Wonder, mm -hmm. they changed it into what. Have unfortunately, you, did you now Stevie? Uh, only on some private stuff. Mm -hmm. That was great. Mm -hmm. We did some things for uh, in a church uh, in L.A. And my friend Michael Peters, who was a choreographer, I was working with him. Uh, he you was dancing? working on it. No, 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 but I <laughs> was a music director, uh, you know, and, and we had a church and a choir, and, mm -hmm. you know, and Stevie came over to play, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I was sitting there, and I'm, I'm on, you know, sitting on the piano bench, and he's playing, and I'm like, oh, my God. 
you know, I'm not, I'm like, I'm not telling him anything. He's got the choir going, and Michael Peters was there. And Michael Peters, uh, you know, choreographed Beat It and mm -hmm. all that stuff mm -hmm. with Michael Jackson. So mm -hmm. it was one of those, it was a private thing uh, in L.A. and church singers, you know. I, I had at one point picked up a tambourine and put it down really quick because these women in the church were playing this tambourine like it's a masterful instrument there. Wow. They had it, like, I think they had road cases for them, you know. <laughs> or they were hat boxes. I wasn't sure, but it could have been either. Uh, Stevie Wonder was, a, that was first time I saw him. Remember the Capitol Theater in, not, not in Passaic, in New Jersey. We're Fagans, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We're Fagans. Right? I went there yeah. I, I see, to I see Stevie Wonder. Story, I think yeah. it was 71, maybe. And uh, Stevie... Didn't, talking Book wasn't out yet. So. Okay, wait. I saw him, Little Stevie Wonder, open for the Stones at Massless Square Garden. No, he was Stevie Wonder by that. Yeah. He wasn't little. Mm -hmm. But that's after that was, this. But that was right that's before. 72 that's 72. That's right yeah. before. That's when Talking Book came out, right it was, then. It was before yeah. Talking and Book. That's, yeah. And that's what made him, the Stones yes. tour. But the year before that, yeah. he's playing the Capitol Theater. The yeah. place is half filled. And the Butterfield Blues Band, is better. Paul Butterfield's Better Days, is opening up. Mm -hmm. And I really went to see Stevie. I didn't expect to see Paul, and it was great. Amos Garrett on guitar, Jeff Moldar, the band was like, Sam Bourne, I think, was in the band. And Stevie Wonder was killing, killing it, man. And there was that gap that I went back and filled in of little Stevie Wonder, you know, that ends like somewhere around, you know, Signed, Sealed, Delivered. Mm -hmm. And then there's these other great albums that come up, Where I'm Coming From, uh, and, uh, and and music of my mind, and then talking book, talking book. and then intervisions. That that really starts with from from signs and delivered on. Mm -hmm. That's where it starts. Him and Marvin Gaye took control mm -hmm. of their careers and of music. Mm -hmm. You know, they broke that factory mold mm -hmm. from Motown. That was that was exciting times. Earth, Wind, and Fire was coming around. Mm -hmm. uh, the soul and funk, you know, Sly was around, and mm -hmm. if he showed up, and <laughs> <laughs> that was great to me. Story. Though Sly was. Did uh, you work with him? No, mm -hmm. no, never got to meet Sly. Mm -hmm. um, that, but when I was a kid, that was them and the Chambers brothers mm -hmm. were like integrated bands. Man, that was unheard of. Mm -hmm. Think about it in '66, '65. You know, there were people coming around, and it was now. Bill Graham was doing things at Mike Bloomfield's behest, who said, we're not playing, the Butterfield Band's not playing unless you get B.B. King to open for us. Who's B.B. King? Paul, you know, wow. you got to get him. And Albert King then, you got to get Albert King in here. And then we started, the residual effect of us seeing these things, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Albert King and B.B. King. You know, I saw a show at the Fillmore where... The, the Jay Giles band plays, and then Albert King plays, and then the Allman Brothers play. I was there. Yeah, yeah. Seventy one. Idle Wild South was the album. The the, the live album Holy didn't come out shit. yet. They had recorded the live album a couple months before, and it hadn't mm -hmm. come out yet. But I remember Jay Giles band. They were like mm -hmm. a, like a bar, a punky bar blues mm -hmm. band. They weren't the, the band that we mm -hmm. knew later. Mm -hmm. There was this incredible. Incredible band, man. Mm -hmm. And then Albert King comes out. Who's going to go on? The Allman Brothers go on after that. I'm sure that they felt like we shouldn't. He, <laughs> we he should the close the show. Yeah. 
But, and that's how Bloomfield always felt too. But they did it anyway. Uh, you know, they once again had to show us where we came from, where they came from, mm -hmm. you know, where the music came from. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and that's been a, a part of everything for me is the connection to the blues. You know, no matter what it is, uh, I'll find it in a Beatles song, you know. I can find it in, I can find it anywhere. It, uh, it, it's just the, it's the thread that runs through everything. And it runs through jazz too. And I, I can have an argument with certain musicians saying that jazz came first, but even Miles Davis would say the blues mm -hmm. is what jazz came from. And Louis Armstrong would say it's gut bucket blues and then it's turned into jazz. Mm -hmm. Because it's music from West Africa that got to the fields, that got to the churches, mm -hmm. that, you know, when African-Americans got instruments, they played what they knew, mm -hmm. you know, they play and they, and also assimilated. There were, there's stories of, you know, African-Americans working on plantations that got their hands on a violin and could just play Mozart shit when they heard it. They could just do it, you know? That's the thing, the thing we don't understand is that old souls are reincarnated in musicians. We see it all the time. How did that kid, how does that kid Brandon Niederhauer play like that? You know, that's like as young as he is. How did Derek Trucks pick up the guitar when it was so much bigger than him and sound like Dwayne Allman, you know, right away? B.B. King was like 11 or 10 or something when he picked up a guitar and he could play it, you know. Uh, I think that there's old souls running through some people. And, and, uh, and a lot of us have to work hard at it you know, and some people have to hardly work at it, you know, mm -hmm. but that's the genius. All right, so Jimmy, we're, we're, we're getting, so tell, tell us everything that's going on with you now, and then I want you to play us out, but so, so what, uh, you've got so many projects, so Conan's going to, we're going to half hour show, we, yeah. we won't have a band on, on, on the air anymore, I'm still music director, I, in fact, today before I got here, well, I write music cues, but who's playing the music? Me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, are you, in the are studio. You do, are you doing guitar? Are you doing piano? Uh, you guitar, doing? piano, bass, you drums, everything. you know, everything. Yeah. Oh. And just, you know, uh -huh. and just... Um, so it's pre-recorded. Yeah, not... pre-recorded. Okay. So it's wraparounds and bumpers, mm -hmm. walk-ons, comedy bits, which I've been... It's what most of my day was for the last 25 years. Mm -hmm. I would come in in the morning and write music and record music and work with the writers. Mm -hmm. And then we'd play live on the air for an hour, the last hour of my day. Mm -hmm. The other seven hours of my day are what I'm doing now. Okay. So it's kind of the same thing, but mm -hmm. I have more freedom to do, you know, I'm gonna be doing more festivals and shows and. So who are you, do, you doing, are you doing? I'm touring a bit with Bob Margolin, mm -hmm. my old friend from Muddy's band mm -hmm. that, that I love so much. And, and what uh, kind of stuff are you guys doing? Blues, mm -hmm. just the two of us, mm -hmm. two guitars, 200 stories. And just playing, you know, like Muddy and Jimmy Rogers together, and and uh, probably gonna make some shit up too while we're out there. Uh huh. That's good. <laughs> Fab Folk keeps me busy. I work with the Upper West Music Group. Mm -hmm. We just did. Uh, that's Greg Williamson and Nicole Richter, mm -hmm. Richter, who are up in uh, New York City, and we we just did uh, a thing down in New Orleans, which I told you about, mm -hmm. uh, with Ziggy Marley and and. Tell uh, them. Oh my God, Taj Mahal, Alan Stone. Alan, if you don't know Alan Stone, man, check out Alan Stone and 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 Irma Thomas, mm -hmm. who originally recorded "Time Is on My Side." You know, wow. we did that with her, and uh, and of course, 
Ivan Neville, Cyril Neville, George Porter from the Meters, mm -hmm. uh, Annie DeFranco. Oh my mm -hmm. God, just forget it. She's so I seen her in a long so time. so great. Anyway, I probably I don't know if I left anybody out, but that was just last week. Mm -hmm. Before that, we did a, in L.A. We did a nice. Uh, we, we finally got the Blues Foundation and the Americana Society together to do a benefit. And that show, we had John Prine on. Oh. And, uh, and that was just... I saw, Bob I saw Weir. the ad. You did that in LA. I, yeah. saw, I saw the ad. I John Prine, Bob Weir, Jeez. and uh, uh, Doyle Bramble, Joe was Lewis it, Was Walker. it recorded? No, no. We don't do these to record. Yeah. And, and uh, Shamika Copeland, who... I know from when she's a baby. Larkin Poe, and if you don't know, don't know. you got to check out Larkin Poe. My God. These two sisters from Georgia are just fabulous, man. I met him through Elvis Costello. He said, you got to come. Jimmy, you got to come. I'm doing my solo gig, you know, like just me. Mm -hmm. We'll come and play, but I want you to mostly meet these girls that are opening my show. He goes, and then they'll play with me later in the show. And I go there and I tell Lark them, and Poe? Larkin, L-A-R-K-I-N. Larkin. P-O-E. Okay. The Lovell sisters. Okay. Yeah, Rebecca and Megan yeah, from, from Georgia. Yeah. Oh, they're really great. Yeah. Now, they were just alone with Elvis, and she had like a bass drum and a guitar, and Megan plays the, the lap steel. Uh, they play with a band, too, with their own band, but mm -hmm. uh, together, the two of them were just, just it's, they're so great. They're going to be coming on so strong now. Wow. Uh, you know... Um, I tried to, oh, Slash was on the show too. But then again, I always call him at the last minute and say, you want to come? Do you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, uh, he's become one of the real people nice. that you wouldn't imagine. Mm -hmm. uh, just the sweetest, nicest person and great guitar player. And I love blowing people's minds when they think that they like to bag people. And he comes out, and he did this before with me. Mm -hmm. He played a B.B. King thing, and he just came, played the blues. And yeah, yeah. Come on, we all play the blues. Mm -hmm. We all learned. Look, he sat with those Cream records like we did, mm -hmm. and those John Mayall records, mm -hmm. and those BB King records. Everybody has that at the root, you know, they really do. Uh, mm -hmm. They can't deny that. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody wants to do it. And, you know, he's, a, he's, he's just one of my best friends. That's so you know? nice. And, and just a great musician. Mm -hmm. So that. You know, he was on there, but Bob Weir was the surprise because I hadn't worked with Bob much. Mm -hmm. Would leave on a little bit. Mm -hmm. But we, I'm, t I'm telling you, man, his energy is boundless. And we had so much fun playing. And he was very much like, yeah, have everybody come out. You know, like, like it's a family picnic, you know, and uh, Uncle Bob. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was a real pleasure for me. Uh, I understand it. You mm -hmm. know, I was a, I saw the Grateful Dead in... What? Remember the Watkins Glen concert? I, I was there. at Watkins Glen. I was there. I got we there. We were in the same place a lot of times. I got there early, right? Uh -huh. A day early with uh -huh. my girlfriend, and we, and we, and we it had, rained. It rained, but we, and we got out there. And we put this huge blanket out. Mm -hmm. We got our stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and and the dead came out, and they and they sound checked for like four hours. Mm -hmm. The band didn't even sound check. The Allman Brothers didn't sound check. The Allman Brothers didn't come out until yeah. like a million hours later. Because the, the rain. Oh right? my God. So the dead sound check is going on. I, I'm, you know, we're ingesting whatever's being passed. Right. And I fall asleep. I swear to God, four hours later I wake up and there's still sound check. <laughs> and it could have only been three, but it felt like four. <laughs>
And worst of all, it felt like the same song. So, and then we go to we sleep. Oh, we're going to sleep at the, on the, you right. know, tomorrow mm -hmm. is a show. But we get up and it's like people are laying on top of us. There was no big, we thought we had, we, you know, taken, staked out this big spot. Well, they're not going to, when they see our blanket, they're not going to come on or touch it. We were like confined to this, like, you know, just like, Oh, What's up? Mess. And there were people with like no clothes on. Oh, it was a mess. People it you didn't want to see with no clothes the rain, on. And getting to a they bathroom. ran out of water. Oh, Remember the, the great thing. bear water? That was crazy. And then the, then the, and then uh, the band are uh, are gonna go on first. I think mm -hmm. the dead maybe. No, I think it was the, the band. band. The, the band, band went was, on first. The band was first. And then it started pour, as yeah. Levon telling me later. It was. It was raining like God was pissing on a flat rock. Wait a minute. Why were the new riders? Weren't the new riders? No. No, they weren't. No, it was the band. It was the band. And okay. the band go on, and Garth is up there challenging the thunder. He's doing the genetic method before chest fever. And he's like having a battle with God, it seemed. And it, to me, maybe it was what I ate, but whatever I don't it was. I was too high. I, it was I the lunchbox that I didn't yeah. open. Yeah. Or I did open. I, I was. I had the lunchbox. Anyway, then they had to wait for it to dry out. The band came back long out again. Period. And then the dead went on for a long time. Yes. And they were just. They had just. In fact, this is funny thing is, Pigpen had just passed, mm -hmm. and Keith and Donna were in the band mm -hmm. at this time. So mm -hmm. this was the, a new version that was coming out. Mm -hmm. The same with the Almonds. They had Chuck Lavelle on the mm -hmm. piano, but mm -hmm. no second guitar player, mm -hmm. just Dickie. Mm -hmm. Barry was still there. Mm -hmm. Dwayne, I think Dwayne had just died, mm -hmm. maybe, you know, and uh, and uh, and a guy parachuted down. Remember, and he burned up. There was a guy jumped. He had a parachute. You know, where you take the parachute and you have like flares on your feet. Uh huh. Well, the flares burned him up, oh, no. and he's coming down. He's burning up as he's coming down. I don't remember that. Oh, it was horrible. Oh my God. And then people kept saying. Leon Russell's going to show up. And then they're like, Johnny Winter's going to show up. <laughs> no, none of this was going to happen. No, no one else was going to show up. There wasn't time for anyone to show up with the dead on the Oh show. my God, that, it was like the longest show in the history of the yeah, world. It was, it was great, man. I, and I love being there because uh, I missed Woodstock. So did I. You know, I was 14. I, I wasn't was going to be, I that would have been the end of my life at home. You know, if I had gone, I know kids that did. Mm -hmm. My brother was there. You know, and it didn't end their life at home. It was hard though mm -hmm. when they got back. You know, mm -hmm. it was it was hard to. I didn't have those kind of cojones to just say I'm going. You know, it was hard enough to get out of the house on Thanksgiving to where Mad Dogs and Englishmen were playing. You know, how do you how do you or was it Easter? It was like Easter. I, don't remember. I, think. I think it was Easter. Mm -hmm. uh, it was hard enough, and then when you get there, it's just. Mad Dogs and Englishmen just looked like a subway, like a crowded subway on stage. Because everybody was standing, 20 people on stage, no risers. So everybody's just like at stage level. And so it was you couldn't amazing. see? No, it didn't no. matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. It was, yeah, you know. But, uh, yeah, so, you know, we saw a lot of music. I was we heard just going to say, we, we, we lived through some It's still cool out there. Shit. There's great shit happening still. What what turns you on today? Who turns you on now? Uh, Marcus King, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Tedeschi Trucks. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's more. Mm -hmm. Well, Government Mule, of course, always. You know, Warren inspired me to start my own trio. You know, and to do that. You know, and 
and then get back to guitar, bass, and drums. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, th those guys have have have, have done a lot. Uh, you know, of course, there's just uh, there's just there's stuff coming up from from under that. Even that's that's great, man. Right now, the two kids that I, I that I really love are, uh, are are Devin Allman and Dwayne Betts. They have their own Allman Betts band out really? right now. And my friend Johnny Statula plays slide with them. And uh, who's, they're gonna who, come who are you on. listening to? In the, who, who do you listen to? Like if you're home, well, you know, whatever. You I, I'm still going backwards. Uh -huh. You know, I'm still calling up Bob Margolin and saying. Was that record that Muddy told you about that was cut in 1938? You know, <laughs> what was the one that, that 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 came from? You know, and I'm still doing my my you know reverse mm -hmm. archaeology on mm -hmm. this uh, on this music. Um, there, most of and, and I admittedly most of what I like is retro. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, because really there's only so much I can take in. Uh, you know, I. A lot of stuff is better left for other people to. I, I did. I did learn one thing: if something is popular, there's a reason for it, and there is no reason to put it down. You know, um, because if millions of people like something, who the hell are you to say it's not good? Mm -hmm. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's not for you. Mm -hmm. And I and I used to find this even. Uh, you know, people like to tell you what they don't like. You know, when people would say to me, oh, you know, oh, there's so many people, it's like this thing, it's like, oh, you work on Conan? Well, I don't like him, I don't watch him. I said, you know why? Because it's for the young kids, it's not for you. <laughs> I love it. No, I mean, really, you know, my brother Floyd used to say when people say, well, what are you doing? He says, you'll read about it in the papers. <laughs> you know, it's just stop, you know, there's always a, you can always feel an ulterior motive. Mm. Somebody just wants to say something nasty to you. You know, and you know that's what we have blogs for. You know, if you want to go read some <laughs> stupid shit, go read a blog. Yeah, it used to be we 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 allowed critics to thrive. Mm -hmm. For what reason I don't know. Mm -hmm. Who are they? What do they do? Do they play instruments or act or mm -hmm. sing mm -hmm. or write or paint? Mm -hmm. No, they don't do any of those things. They just criticize. They just criticize. Mm -hmm. Now we have blogs, mm -hmm. so we have millions of people unqualified <laughs> that are writing stuff about people who are qualified to make music. Mm -hmm. Because if one person likes it, mm -hmm. it's good for that one person. Mm -hmm. So so play something good for us. No, I don't know anything good. Play, play something before we go out. And, um, but before before we, uh, we go well, out with Jimmy. Well, stuck in open G. So. All right, before we go out with Jimmy playing something, I just want to say next week, um, Snuffy Walden's going to be with us. Yeah. The legendary Snuffy Walden, who I am first describing you. I'm first yeah. figuring out was a rock star that I didn't even know, a stray dog I didn't even know. Okay, and then Norman Lear said yes to me today. I've been chasing Norman Lear for two and a half years. Norman Lear is going to be with us. Um, George Shapiro is going to be with us. Um, I'm, I'm totally spacing now. We have, what are you going to talk to Norman Lear about? Yeah. He, Mary Hartman, you're no, going to talk about. You bet I am. And, and Fernwood tonight. Norman yeah, yeah, was yeah. in the living room here. Norman came and did Women Who Write, which, which we're going to get you for. Jimmy. Well, you know, it gets no bigger than Norman Lear. It gets no bigger. No than, more important. It, it gets no bigger than no, Norman. Only Lear. Neil Simon was as important as Norman Lear. Well, you talk about you know this this show being game changers, which you are one. Norman is the game changer. Um, okay, so um, so we'll see you next week on the road. Uh, I was just going to say on the road taken. It's Game Changers. The show is now called Game Changers. But wow. um, Jimmy, thank you so much for doing this. We're going out I, I with Muddy Waters. Yeah. We're going out with Muddy Waters. All right.
down south, child, don't you want to be trouble? I'm the old word of mine. I'll never be satisfied that I just can't keep from crying. Well, I feel like snapping a pistol in your face. Child, let some grave your beat. I'm in trouble, yo. Oh, where am I? Game Changers. Thanks, Christina. It was great.